What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number 136 presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and I wake up sad that Tom Brady's no longer in the NFL every single day. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller and he looks like he's wearing a nice little Chicago Blackhawks hat. Frank, how you doing? Good, how you doing? What's up Travis, Tom, Skokes? Travis, um, Tom Skokes. I had a question for you that I specifically wanted to save for the start of the show. Hell yeah, let's hear it. What's your take on Swiss cheese? My take on Swiss cheese. It's a very unique cheese. It is not a cheese that goes on everything. Um, I actually just had Swiss cheese in my favorite setting for Swiss cheese two nights ago when I had it as the topper for French onion soup. Um, French onion soup is delightful with Swiss cheese. Would Swiss cheese be on my Mount Rushmore of cheeses? I don't think so, but that's not a slight on Swiss cheese. It would definitely be in my top 10 of all the cheeses. Um, I, it's an imperfect cheese. Um, you know, it, it kind of is like, I only eat Swiss cheese on Sunday. Like that, that phrase makes sense to me. It's an imperfect cheese. I think if any cheese should have holes in it naturally, it would be Swiss cheese. Cause like there's holes in Swiss cheese, both figuratively and literally you can't use cheese on a breakfast. You, I, I wouldn't want Swiss cheese on a breakfast sandwich, right? I need cheddar. I need pepper Jack. I need American. Um, I wouldn't use Swiss cheese on like my nachos, right? Like there's just absolutely no world where I would want Swiss cheese on my nachos. It'd be weird, but like French onion soup, a ham and Swiss on rye. Woo. Get me going, get me going with the Swiss cheese. So yeah, I think, uh, (laughs) Skokes had French onion soup. You got to get the tendies from village tavern village has outstanding tendies it's the, it's my number one honey mustard in the world maybe number two i really like sporty's honey mustard too i don't know your take on that but back to swiss cheese i think swiss cheese is it's like a running back that you can only use in certain packages remember Tariq cohen mm-hmm. Tariq cohen on the bears you yep. couldn't use him for north south rushing at all you needed. They had Jordan Howard for that, and then it eventually became Jordan Montgomery. Mm-hmm. Um, not Jordan Montgomery, David Montgomery. Jordan Montgomery is the pitcher. Um, <laughs> you know, you need Tariq Cohen for these special packages, though. East-West running, trick plays. You need Swiss cheese for certain packages. That's how I feel about Swiss cheese. You could draft Swiss cheese in the fourth round out of Florida, and he's going to give you some good reps in your games. I like Swiss cheese. Very interesting, because I've always liked Swiss cheese. You know the ongoing joke I had with our family, like, where's my ham and Swiss? Yeah. I'm a big Swiss cheese guy. Who brought you a ham and Swiss? My Aunt Juju. And you, right? I I did bring you one from Panera. Was she first, though? She probably was first. You were the first one to actually, like, bring me a ham and Swiss. The one she brought me, I had to make. (laughs) It was lunch meat. But you were the first one to bring me, like, a ham and Swiss. Yes. Um... But the reason I'm bringing it up is because the other day, I forgot where we were. I think it was Arby's. And we substituted the cheese on one of their chicken sandwiches. Because every time I go there, I get the double beef and cheddar. I'm like, instead of getting a double beef and cheddar, I'll get a slider of beef and cheddar. And I want to try their chicken sandwich. And we substituted the cheese on it with Swiss. And I'm like, this right here is just all the more reason why I love Swiss so much. And then I began to think, I'm like, hmm, is it on my Mount Rushmore? 
I think absolutely. I think it's a top two cheese, maybe even pushing favorite cheese. I really like Colby Jack. Colby Jack was my number one for a Colby while. Colby Jack is but delicious. Swiss, but I agree with you. It's you can't like I don't know if I want Swiss cheese nachos. I'd eat them. They'd be great, but that's just not the cheese you use for nachos. See, I think you like it more than I do. But I still love it, if that makes sense. Now, you, a hot ham and Swiss sandwich, that's like so everything else. Yeah. You oh, yeah. Have, like ham and cheddar is good, but ham and Swiss is like S tier. Yes. Yes. Ham and cheddar's cheddar is probably the second best for ham. But if I were to make just a Mount Rushmore of cheeses to eat plain, I don't think it would be on it. Although I would eat it plain. If you ate Vinny, I got a slice of Swiss here. You want one? See, sure. I'm not a cheese guy where I would just eat it plain. I'm not like that. Oh, see, I can dummy a charcuterie board. But I would like if I put it with meat on the yeah, shampoo board or crackers. Sure. But I'm I'm not sure. a guy just to like snack on it. And I'm in the vast minority. Yeah, but. I would say so. But not everyone likes Swiss cheese. No, it, I think I'm not, in, I think I'm in the minority for that. For how, how much I like it. For like, how much you like it, yes. For liking it though, I would say it's probably it's the tomato of cheeses, you know, more yeah. people like it. I That's think a perfect analogy, actually, but like tomato enough people don't where like you would say, Hey, is it okay if I put tomatoes on this? Colby's well, amazing up there on my Mount Rushmore pepper Jack. It's either, it's probably right outside my Mount Rushmore. Yeah. I like when, pepper I, Jack. when I think of pepper Jack, I think of like a gritty mean left tackle. <laughs> you need him on your team in order to succeed. But like, like he, he's yeah, or, or okay on defense. See, I think of Nick Bosa. Nick Bosa is like your cheddar. Wow. Like, like he's like a main, a, he's a main component of your defense, like superstar. Yeah, every offense has a cheddar, every defense has a cheddar. You know, is yeah. cheddar is cheddar your number one cheese? It's not yours, clearly. Yours it's is probably between... the it's probably the number one nationwide if you had a poll. I would think so. It's the most universal or American. It's it's the most universal. So like a good way to compare cheddar is like a utility player in baseball. Like, you know, Ben Zobrist. Ben Zobrist could play short if Chris Bryant was hurt that day or taking a day off. Ben Zobrist could play short uh third base. Um, you know, you could put Ben's I think Ben Zobrist in his prime is at second base. But like cheddar in its prime is on a sandwich, but it has other areas where it's outstanding. Um <laughs> Vinny, if you're ever mad at Katie, have some Limburger cheese. I'm gonna have to Google what Limburger cheese is and consult my lawyer before I it's, it's very answer stinky. that. Oh, it stinks. Oh, okay, okay. D does it taste good? Scokes. I forgot about provolone. No provolone, Frank. We're that's Italian. Mount, Frank, that's we're a Mount Italian. Rushmore of mine. I love provolone. We're Italian too. You know, oh Scokes. I don't think Scokes is Italian. I don't know Scokes' nationality. I'm not going to – I know what Skokes stands for. I'm not going to re reveal it. I don't know if he wants that to be known. I but Skokes knows his Italian shit. I'm telling you. I'm telling you. He, Villanopoli, provolone cheese. He's eating this place from this gabagoo place. You know, what a smart guy Skokes is. Provolone is outstanding. Now, where where does a provolone need to be for you, though? Um, Lunch meat sandwich. Like if I go to Subway or something, it's the cheese I asked for the most. Oh, okay. Wow. It, I like I'm up in the air. Like I don't, there's not a ton of cheeses I don't like. I'm not a blue cheese guy. I don't like blue cheese either. I like the dressing for my chicken wings. But other than that, I hate blue cheese. But to like put it on a sandwich. No. Uh, I, I mean, everything else I really like. Here's Limburger. Limburger. 
It kind of looks like brie, but square. It doesn't look that bad. But no, I, I would the try smell it. is. She I would says try it. Smells it. like feet. Well, from under cheese. <laughs> Tom you know. says, I ate the cheese, but your breath will kill a moose at 50 yards. <laughs> wow. Holy shnikes. Now it's I like, know. I want to try it. No, we have to try it together. Like, we oh, can't yeah. even just try it separately. I like provolone for an Italian lunch meat sandwich, like, specifically an Italian. It's got to have capicol and salami it's, and prosciutto. It's got to have all that stuff. It says Wisconsin Limburger. You're in Wisconsin all the time. Bring back some Limburger. I'll bring it, back some Limburger. It says the smell. There's a description on Google if you type it up. Its legendary odor has been compared to body odor, stinky feet, and a variety of dead or dying creatures. Wow. Okay. Wow. I wonder if I were wow, to wow, die, wow. Would, I, would I smell like Limburger cheese? Maybe that's how they get it. Ooh, just the scent from dead people? This is this is some eighth or some sixth cent shit we're uncovering here, Frank. <laughs> All right, really quick before we move off cheeses, what is the Mount Rushmore of cheeses? All right, well, for sure, Swiss. Colby Jack. Is nacho cheese a thing? Yeah, oh yeah. Nacho cheese for it's sure. Because I, I can put that on everything. I can stick my head under the fountain and just let it run in my mouth. Four is tough because four is between a white cheddar. Or provolone. I love white cheddar. Or provolone. White cheddar and normal cheddar are on mine. I think I'm going to give it to white cheddar. So Colby, white cheddar, Swiss, and uh, nacho cheese is my Mount Rushmore. And then Very provolone good. is right outside at five. Pepper Jack's right there at six. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. I'm going white cheddar, like a Vermont white cheddar. Mm -hmm. um, normal cheddar, yellow cheddar, orange cheddar, whatever the H you call it. Um, I would put nacho cheese, and then I'm going to throw a sneaky one in there. And I, I think it's my on there right now. It could come off, but right now I'm into it because of a restaurant we've been going to lately called QP Feta. Wow. That's a wild move. Feta is Woo! delightful. Now, just on the outside, provolone, pepper jack, Swiss, American from a deli. Craft American singles stink. Wouldn't, eat, wouldn't feed it to my dog. To me, American is like a little overrated. It is. It is overrated. But like, I almost always substitute it. Yeah, unless unless I know it's a fresh deli piece of American, then I like it on a homemade lunch meat sandwich. That's fair. But like, you know, most of the time, like, give me cheddar over it. Um, McDonald's uses American, and I think they have the best American cheese in the world. I don't know where they get it from. I don't know if they got the cow That's in the back producing the milk, but very with, fair. Overpriced. Overpriced. But a McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. Yeah. McDonald's breakfast sandwiches use American, and it is the best American I think I've tasted to date. Um, I'll ask for an extra damn piece, and I'll pay $4. Don't Stokes care. has a wild top three. Chihuahua cheese. Provolone cheddar chihuahua top three. Wow. Wow. Would have never guessed. Chihuahua. Wow. 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 Chihuahua. Wow. Chihuahua. <laughs> All right, Frank. That's enough on cheese. Um, I think it's time we start talking about cheese's favorite sport, hockey, in period number one. The graphic's gone, VP. Nick Campy. I swear to God. The graphic for all of them? To send it to the next. Oh, wait. Okay. Yep. Say it again. We're going to send it <laughs> over to cheese's favorite sport.
hockey in period number one. I got I nervous. didn't I didn't I think it nervous. was gone. I didn't I think got it was nervous. Gone. The show wouldn't feel right. I got nervous. The show would not feel right without that graphic and that little I got really nervous. I saw no clips at all. (laughs) (laughs) That was very funny. Frankie thought we were going to have to like improvise. Um, But yeah, Frank is cheese is hockey cheese's favorite sport. Yeah, because it's often referred to for goaltenders as Swiss cheese. Ah, I was thinking of like the cheese heads with the Packers. No other sport has a literal like hat that you wear that resembles cheese. I would probably say football is because one specific fan base is referred to as the cheese heads. Who who would be the cheese heads of the NHL? I think there's a clear and obvious answer. The wild. No, I just think of green Minnesota kind of close to Wisconsin. Yeah, no, I get your thought. It's not a terrible guess. I don't even know where to begin then. I would absolutely think it's Nashville. The cheese heads? Yeah. Oh. They're wear they, they'll they'll wear that shit. Just the color? Yeah. It just would look good with a Predators jersey. Nice cheese head with a little pecorine action. I mean I, okay. <laughs> yeah. Or or the wild with their new alternates. Just because I think of like the green, I associate the Packers close to Wisconsin. I know there's, you know, there's some Minnesota fans who get their cheese from Wisconsin. Oh yeah, I get cheese from Wisconsin. Right, so it's like, I mean, I get what you're saying. It would match the best with Nashville. Yeah, for sure. And I'm, I'm wrong. Minnesota has worn their alternates already. Um, I think they a cheese, nice cheese head would look good with that jersey. It's pretty close to yellow. Um, Frank, the Calgary Flames have yellow in their jersey. They stink. They do stink. Very bad. Bad. They currently sit. Sixth in the Pacific Division as we speak, and for a team that I had a lot more hope of during the off season, they come into the new season on a very very bad swing. They've now won back to back games for the first time this season, so congrats to them. Maybe this is the start of getting out of the rut. Markstrom finally got in the win column again. That was much needed. It's you know it's his only win since October 11th, which was their season opener. That is insane. I mean, it's a very good win for them. Uh, the game they played against the Predators yesterday because they found themselves down 2-0. And right now, Vladar and Markstrom, they've been terrible. And this isn't a terrible duo, but they're playing terrible. And, you know, if you'll remember when Joey was a co-host on this podcast when it was three of us, I talked a lot of shit about Markstrom, and he kind of backed me up a couple years ago. and Or maybe it was last, uh, last year. I don't really remember, but I remember referring to him as a bit overrated, and I didn't understand why NHL or EA Sports gave him the rating that he did. I mean, it pains me to see him like this because I don't think he's really overrated. I like Markstrom, but, you know, neither goalie has it right now. And another thing that's kind of, you know, been troubling this team is Ryan Huska took over for the Calgary Flames. And honestly, his system has not been working so far. Um, we, I mean, we all know it takes time. Obviously, you have a new coach comes in. It takes time for the system to work. But this is a hard change that the players are going to have to get used to, and I think that's a major problem. The other problem is that Jonathan Huberto, he's gone blank. I mean, nowhere to be seen. This isn't the Huberto we saw in Florida. Florida stole the trade, as it is now, for Kachuk, and it's not even close, in my opinion. Mangiapane right now leads the team with four goals. Lindholm leads the team in points with eight, and Huberto has two goals and four assists. Are you kidding me? I mean, not even on the ice, but they're having a lot of off-ice problems too. You got players 
calling out other players on the team on social media and free agent signings, putting on hold in the organization. I mean, right now there's a lot of ruckus, and I think this is hurting the team overall. I mean, nobody appears to be on the same page. And I think their next opponent they'll play is the Toronto Maple Leafs. Very winnable game the way they've been playing. Um, the Maple Leafs haven't done anything special this year to make me think this is going to be a Leaf-dominated game. The one thing the Flames will have to make sure that they do, though, is get on the board first and don't play from behind like they did against Nashville. They won that game. They might not be able to do that against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Absolutely, and I forgot to preface before I got into the Calgary Flames uh, conversation. The entire first period is dedicated to the Battle of Alberta. I called it the Battle of Al Stinky on our sheet. Um, because, you know, I've just noticed that both teams are off to the worst start that they could possibly have imagined. Uh, we thought they'd both be playoff contenders coming into this season. So I wanted to kind of talk about both. We recapped the Heritage Classic last time on the show, and now neither team has played particularly well at all since the Heritage Classic. In fact, that win last night for the Calgary Flames was the first win for either team since the Heritage Classic, which is absolutely bananas. When I wrote the sheet, when I wrote the sheet, Frank, it was 2 nothing, mm-hmm. And then they came all the way back, and they won. And, you know, so it's not as bad. They ended the losing streak. Um, but I'm with you on Huberto. Benched yesterday. Tough. Played two shifts in the second and third period combined. Weird, weird, weird. Ryan Huska, man. Yeah. He, you know, and, you know, I, I do agree. It takes time for systems to be implemented. <clears throat> it just doesn't come, you know, right away you know sometimes you know every now and then a team will put in a new system with a new coach and it'll start to click right away it's not happening with the flames Uh they thought huberto was going to be like their dynamic star um i remember when the trade first happened we both figured florida would come out on top as the winner of the trade but we also both felt it was impossible for Calgary to win, straight up win in this scenario. You're giving up a top 10 player. If you lose the best player in the trade, in their prime, chances are you can't declare yourself the winner of the trade. But it's like it was that or lose him the following offseason for nothing like they did with Johnny Hockey. Yep. And so they got something. They got Uyghur, who's great. I, I don't think there's Fantastic. any questioning that and Hubert always been a disappointment the biggest issue for Calgary is contracts it's going to be really hard to rebuild with some of these contracts that are on the books luckily they have a lot of contracts also coming off the books and they're certainly not going to be looking to replace you know any of them I'm stunned that all they got in return for Tyler Toffoli is Yegor Sharangovich. He leads the Devils in goals. A high-scoring team, Tyler Toffoli leads in goals right now. I don't think he leads in goals by the end of the season, but, um, you know, because there's a lot of hockey left to play. There's a lot of overreactions going on in the league right now. But for some reason with Calgary and Edmonton, it doesn't feel like an overreaction. I don't know why. You know, other teams could get off to a mediocre start or a hot start, and we're like, oh, it's early. We'll see. Like. For example, I don't really think the Devils have played particularly well to start the season. And they're 7-4-1. and one. So, like, nobody's going to, like, overreact to anything like that because they're 7-4-1. and one. It's a good record. They found ways to win games regardless of some early season struggles and young defensemen. It doesn't feel like that with Calgary. It feels like the sky is falling. And I don't know how to fix it. 
I know I wrote down that I was going to imply that I had a way to fix it, but the only way to really fix it is to kind of commit to one direction or the other mm-hmm. and act on it. You know, if you want to try and win out this season, keep going. Nice win against Nashville. We'll see what happens next when you play Toronto. Um, I, I Again, the Leafs are in, kind of in the same boat as the Devils. They haven't looked all that great, but they've won. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think that speaks to the talent of these types of squads. But, like, when they play against the Flames, if the Flames start off the way they did against Nashville, I mean, you know, instead of it being, like, Ryan O'Reilly's having a good start, but, like, Nashville doesn't have the firepower that Toronto has. You know, they're getting goals from their D, Tavares, Marner, Nylander, the core four, Matthews. Matthews leads the NHL in goals. The Sharks finally passed Matthews in goals yesterday. I thought that was pretty interesting. Like, that's a guy they're going to have to try and contain. Um, It's going to be tough treading for Calgary. Um, and then they're not, they're our biggest rival, I should say, the Edmonton Oilers. A little bit more of the same. It actually feels like things are even worse oh, over yeah. in Edmonton, even though it felt differently a week ago because they won the Heritage Classic. But talk to me about the bad times that the Edmonton Oilers are currently going through. Yeah, I mean, it is much worse. The standings show that they sit below the Flames in the Pacific Division in seventh with a record of 2-8-1. and one. And honestly, this is rather shocking. But if you look a little closer and dig a little deep, is it really? Because first of all, they've played a decently tough schedule so far. They already played the Canucks three times, which the Canucks have been a wagon on fire. They've played the Stars. They've played the Rangers. And that's no excuse because you got to beat those teams in the end, especially if you're going to contend for the Cup. And then they played some medium of the pack team so far. They haven't really played anyone that was like bad, bad that's on paper, like the sharks or uh, the flyers, the flyers, the ducks, even though the ducks are playing well too, but on paper, you you get what I'm saying. They've never played anybody like that. Um, They did play the flyers, but I didn't, I mean, the flyers have been playing well. They had that letdown yesterday to the sharks, but um, my fear with this team has been this fear for a long time, and it's their goaltenders. And I've been saying that for quite a while, that Stuart Skinner might not be the goalie that everyone thinks he is. I mean, he has a 399 goals against and an 856 save percentage. And Campbell is a 450 goals against and an 873 save percentage. And this has been my uh, fear for a while now. And plus, Jack Campbell was sent down to the AHL for the time being, so that doesn't even make anything better as of right now. Um, the Oilers, this team as a whole, they're built around outscoring their opponents and not really worrying about goaltending. You know, if we get an all-star stretch from Skinner, like we did last year, fantastic. That's great. We could win a cup if he stays hot in the playoffs with Skinner, but banking on that to happen isn't worth the reward. And that is something we're seeing right now. And, you know, right now, Jay Woodcroft is doing everything he can to save his ass because honestly, his team and head coach is limited. Um, I think his job's on the line. You're in the prime era, era of McDavid and Dreisaitl, and you've been nothing but a letdown to start the season. Not only that, but right now they can't even score. Your biggest strength on this Edmonton Oilers team is scoring, and they can't score, they can't defend, they can't goaltend to save your life. If you can't do any of those three things, the fix there needs to be a fix, and it's a shame to say, but the fix might have, have to come at the head coach uh, at, at Woodcroft's expense. And, you know, all it this isn't all his responsibility. Like everything I'm saying doesn't fall on the head of Jay Woodcroft, right? But in sports, the one to pay is the head coach. You're not going to go fire your first line center. You're going to fire the coach. That's just the price to pay when you're a coach in sports. And the Oilers were a legit Stanley Cup contender coming into this year. We had them winning the division. 
But what we've seen so far has been anything but. So there, there's a lot of problems with the Oilers right now. I couldn't agree more. Jay Woodcroft, in his career as the Edmonton Oilers head coach, you were a full-time uh, partner on the program by the time he was hired. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um he has like a 690 winning percent. He has a really good winning percentage with the Edmonton Oilers. He's gone if they lose to San Jose tomorrow. Oh, my God. If they lose you to San to. Jose. Because not only San Jose would tie them in wins and points. <laughs> if the, the Sharks win this game in regulation. It's on a stick right now. The biggest game of the year is tomorrow night between the Edmonton Oilers and the San Jose Sharks. I'm telling you what, and guess what? I'm so here for it. Right, right when I'm done watching a two and seven Bears team play a one and eight Panthers team, I'm gonna roll over and watch a one ten and one Sharks team play a two eight and two Oilers team, and I can't freaking wait for it. Crazy. It's gonna be tomorrow's the type of night where like you see who the sports sickos in the world are. Are you gonna go from watching that dreadful Thursday night game? to watching that dreadful Sharks game. Yes, I am. Can't wait. Um, it's going to be great. But like I said, that's when the true sports sickos comes out. I like Stu Skinner. Second in the Calder voting last year. You know, he only lost to Ben Years, um, which means he was one person away from, um, you know, winning the Calder trophy. But then, you know, he was also an all-star. He's also young. You know, if Arvid Soderblom had a tough stretch, would I be out on him? Or if Juca Messo had a tough would I be out? No. They're young. Campbell, that's a problem. <laughs> Veteran, signed to a big contract, put on waivers, cleared, going to Bakersfield. Coming up is Cal Pickard, who, to his credit, has been good in the NHL in the past. Um, obviously, he signed to play in the AHL, and he's dominated. Uh, say, percentage in the 950s, I think, with Bakersfield. So now... He's going to come in. Hopefully, he can provide some stability in that, allow Stu Skinner to figure out his game a little bit. Goaltending has obviously been a serious problem, but I have a different problem. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl have not taken over games the way that we've seen them do so in the past. And a lot of teams get a lot of flack when their stars are carrying them. Oh, the Devils without Jack Hughes and Nico Heischer. That's going to be a problem. No shit. What team could you take the best two players off and expect them to still be elite? If you took McKinnon and McCarr off of Colorado, you picking them to win the cup? (laughs) No. If you took Taves and Kane or Kane and Keith, any of the two of the, any two, off the teams in the 2010s. Do you think they win a single cup? No, probably not. I think they win zero. Kopitar and Doughty, or Kopitar and Carter, whichever, two of the three. Kings don't win a single cup. Crosby and Malkin. I hate to tell you, your stars do have to be stars. There's a reason they're stars. There's a reason they're significantly higher paid than everybody else on the team. So, like, saying they're a one-man band, it's not really how it works. Like, they they run the power play. They make everybody else around them better. That's why they're stars. That's why they're there. If your stars produce a lot of points and your depth players chip in here and there but just basically prevent the other team from scoring, you're going to be a really, really good team. That's how hockey works. 
McDavid and Drysaddle, they haven't looked like the stars that Edmonton needs them to be over the course of this season so far. We've seen those two buffoons take over games before. They look like two of the 10 greatest players who ever lived a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I think you can make an argument that McDavid, if he were to retire today as a top 10 player who ever lived, and Drysidle's probably hovering in like the low 20s right now of all time greatest players. Like he's that good. As of right now, McDavid's not breaking a thousand points this season. He needed 150. Yeah, no, there. I don't I don't think that's happening this year, Frank. I wanted to see I wanted to see him do it in like April because I think reaching a thousand points at 27 years old, it's going to be a big deal when he does it next year, too. Don't get me wrong. He'll still be 27. Like, you know, you have, to have no bad stretches to get 150 points. I know you're, you're right. You're right. You basically need to have like five points a week, which he did last year. We know he can do it. Mm-hmm. Just the start, even if he like picks up where he left off starting now, he might be like 120, 130. Like, it's really hard to get up to that kind of number in today's NHL. Like, honestly, Jack Hughes and Elias Pettersson have a better chance. And Hughes is out right now, so not really him even anymore. I don't think anybody's hitting 150 this year. I think Matthews might score 70 goals. (laughs) But um, I don't think McDavid um, is going to do that this year, although it would have been really cool. Um, But, yeah, they need more from those two, too. And I hate piling it all on them. But like, it's true. Did you watch their last game by chance against no. the Canucks? I mm-hmm. watched the whole game from beginning to end. The Canucks played with their food, man. Quinn Hughes is dancing around the zone. Elias Peterson's hanging out doing whatever he wants down low. Besser has scored six goals against the Oilers this season. They've he played three total. times already. Yeah, but he has ten total goals. Six oh, I know. against it's the Oilers. Crazy and. You know, these guys, JT Miller, walking through the neutral zone, doing whatever he wants. They're also annoying the shit out of them. McDavid and Dreisaitl pushing and shoving and all this stuff. That's not how the Oilers are supposed to play. That's just not what you come to expect from them. You, those guys need to be out there skating and passing and shooting, not fighting the depth players. And Vancouver, they're, you could tell they're having a jolly old time. They like mucking it up. It's Vancouver. Oh, yeah. Of course, you know, their stars aren't the ones doing it. You're not seeing McDavid fight Quinn Hughes. That would be insane. That would be insane. I mean, JT Miller mucks it up. He's the type of guy, though. Oh yeah, he'll like get 90 points and have 100 penalty minutes. Like, mm-hmm. you know, he's that type of guy, and nobody's gonna poo-poo on him for that. But I mean, man, what a shit show in Edmonton right now. I'm gonna ask you the big question to cap off the first period conversation Ooh. of the Battle of Alberta. The big question: Can either team bounce back? And make the playoffs. Here's my opinion. I do think both teams can bounce back. Not saying that they will, but I do believe that both teams can bounce back. Now, winning a division may be out of the cards for the Oilers, especially because the Knights have been playing elite hockey. Like, it's just, it's unbelievable how well the Knights are playing. So I think us saying they win the division, I think that is out of the cards. I, I really believe they're way too buried. The Knights aren't going to fall off a cliff that much. However, there needs to be change. If no change takes place, then nothing in the standings is going to change. And, and I'm not saying, like, trade McDavid and Dreisaitl. And, no, I, a change could be something as simple as changing up the line pairs, firing the head coach, making a statement in the locker room. 
Let's get a, a video of Woodcroft reaming McDavid or so, another player like standing up and showing captainship lead, uh, leadership abilities in the locker room. Like just some change needs to happen. And the littlest thing could spark that um, because especially for the Oilers, you can't let a season go by with nothing for McDavid and Dreisaitl. You're essentially burning a year on their contract to play the middle ground. I mean, these guys are supposed to be Stanley Cup contenders. And if you don't do anything to change that, I mean, you're you're burning like a prime year of their contract to be a champion. So I think out of the two, it's more likely that the Oilers would bounce back because, I mean, there's a whole bunch of problems in Calgary that I went over. Um, they need to get their shit together off the ice as well. But um, I do think if the necessary steps are taken, that yes, they both can. Wow. That is not the answer I was expecting from you at all. When I, I wrote this down, I thought I thought you were gonna both I thought you were gonna cook them both. I think yeah. they're both cooked. Wow. Both. I would be stunned if either of them make the playoffs. Wow. And I'll tell you why. I look over in the Eastern Conference. Okay, first of all, in the West, Calgary is seventh in the wild card race. Yeah. Obviously in the wild card race, one and two get in, and the rest don't. Mm-hmm. Um, the division, I think, is going to be exactly what it is right now. Vegas, Vancouver, L.A. We'll touch on Vancouver in a little bit. They're the surprise team in a good way in the NHL so far this year. They're on a roll. I don't think it's coming down. They have everything they need to be a playoff team. Do I think they're going to win the Cup? No. Do I think they have a really nice core being built that they could be Cup champions within the next five years? Yes. They're on a roll. It's not stopping. They're this year's Devils. Um. Yeah. You know, I think the faster we accept that, the faster we'll enjoy watching the Canucks oh, this yeah. season too. Um, but so I and the Kings, they're a wagon. They're seven two and two. The Vegas is Vegas. It's the greatest start to a season a Stanley <laughs> Cup champion has ever had. I mean, they're a wagon. They they're probably one on my power rankings right now. Um, they finally lost, which we'll talk on touch on the team that beat them in the second period as well. But Edmonton is ninth in the wild card race. And Calgary's seventh, but Calgary trails by four points and Edmonton trails by, excuse me, really bad at math, eight points. It is hard to make up eight points. And they're the better of the two teams, in my opinion. I think Calgary's cooked because of their roster combined mm-hmm. with the bad start. Yep. Edmonton has, a you know, we think an okay roster, but they're even deeper than the Flames. They have freaking four less points than the flames. And I look at the teams that are ahead of them in the Pacific division. And I, I already know how I feel about the top three. I would lock in those top three with all my money right now as the final top three. But when you look at the wild card right now, it's taken up by two Pacific teams. And I told you the Pacific was going to be improved this season. It is so far Anaheim. They're damn good. Well, again, we'll touch on them in the second and a little more in depth. Arizona's a wagon too. I'm not even saying Arizona's going to make the playoffs, but they're six five and one. Their stars are playing. Clayton Keller's a dog. Logan Cooley's a dog. I mean, these guys are unreal, and they like playing. They're having fun. I could see them. They kind of remind me of the Devils in 2018 when they were just kind of mm-hmm. like scrappy good. Um, the Wild are right below the playoff line by one. Uh, the Blues are right there, too. So are the Kraken. Then you start to get into the Predators. You get the Flames, Blackhawks, Oilers, Sharks. I can't. <laughs> I, I just don't see a path. Because 
the only team that's in a division spot that I could see falling back is Winnipeg. And every year, Winnipeg shoves it up both of our hoops. Every year. Uh, I think this is the year where Winnipeg starts to stink. Hellebuck signs long-term and Shifley's identical contracts. They might be bad contracts in five years, but that means they're with the team right now. Mm -hmm. I was in an Apple store when those two deals were signed. I was looking at apples in an Apple store in Wisconsin. Um, Apple store. No, not the Apple store. An Uh, Apple store. uh, (laughs) Like fruit apples. Yeah. Um, It was Halloween season, you know, that type of fall deal. But Winnipeg. They're good. They're a good team. We were wrong. I honestly think we were wrong. So they're not coming out of the Central. Maybe they jump into a wild card and the Wilds start to play better. I think, you know, the Wilds haven't gotten off to the start they wanted. They played some really good teams. They lost to the Devils back-to-back games. But, you know, for the most part, I think they're a pretty good team. I would take them to beat Edmonton or Calgary right now in a playoff race. I would. Um, St. Louis, they're eh. You know, they played the Devils well. It was the game that Jack Hughes got hurt. I always go back to the Devils, but these teams have played them, and I watched them recently as a result. So that's what I'm going off of. But, you know, you pick Seattle to make playoffs. I had them just missing, but right there in the mix, they're already ahead. I would be a hypocrite if I came on this show and said that I think Edmonton or Calgary have, like, a good chance to come back after what I said about the Hawks when they started 9 and one And they fired... Um, Jeremy Colleton, and they brought in Derek King, and you were like, Derek King, the Blackhawks. And I was like, Frank, they're toast. It's freaking December. Like, you're like, no, I don't think so. They could go on a run. No, they're toast. Like, I'm sorry. I hate to be that guy there. O A S T. You start with that much of a hole, you're toast. You can miss the playoffs in October. You can't make them. And I know this cliche is used all the time, but it's true. It's just true. And so, yeah, I think they're cooked. I hate to say it because I love the Battle of Alberta. I'll watch every Battle of Alberta game. It honestly might be equally as fun if they both stink because, you know, it'll be competitive hockey and they'll play each other hard and there will be fights and goals and everything else that you like. But the Battle of Alberta is the Battle of Al Stinky. Yeah, and you remember uh, I said I think this might be the first year in like 11 years that five teams come out of the Pacific. Very well could be. Yeah. It's true. I mean, the two worst teams in the Pacific, or two of the, the Sharks, they stink. They don't count. They're cooked. They're cooked. But the Flames and the Oilers, we had them closer to the top, and they're closer to the bottom. Crazy. It might be the Pacific, dude. The best division. Because the Devils and Hurricanes have both got good records, but both would say they've wished they playing better. Um. Then... You look at the Atlantic is right there, too, because Detroit and Florida are both really on the come up. Unless the Islanders sneak into a wild card spot, I really don't see um, I really don't see the Metro having two wild card teams or even one. So I don't know, man. It's tough. I thought the Pacifics would be worse this year, but I also picked them to have five playoff teams because I thought the general consensus would be the last two Pacific teams that got into the playoffs would be not as good on paper as some of the teams that missed in the Central Division. Understood. But that I makes don't know sense. If that's going to be the case. I mean, it's like very contradicting, like to have it me call it the worst division and then have five teams come out of it. But my mind, my reasoning behind it made sense in my head at least. 
I understand. Like the Wild aren't in, but I think they could be better than the eighth team if that was a Pacific team that got you know I mean? Yeah, like I think overall they're better. You know what I mean? Yeah, I understand. The Yotes, they look good. I think I think the Central's the worst. Could be. Could because be. but I think like the bottom teams are more fun in the Central. Than in the bottom of the Pacific, Edmonton and Calgary. When they stink, it's like when they're good, they're the most fun to watch. But when they stink, it's like that means McDavid's not doing anything and Huberto's not doing anything. Bedard could have three goals and they'll lose four to three. That's fun. I love that. You know, I don't know if they're going to get Macklin Celebrini, but if they got Cole Eiserman or one of the Finns or something like that, like you know, this could be a really another successful year for the Blackhawks if they play things right. Um, I don't know. The West is a little less clammed, cramped than the East, though, because if the Pens go on a two-game winning streak, they're in a playoff spot. Um, really, the only team that's like they would need like a three- or four-game winning streak to be in a playoff spot is Ottawa. Mm-hmm. But I think Philly's on the down. I think Washington's on the down. And I think Montreal's on the down. The Penguins stink. Yeah, they stink. 2 nothing shutout win yesterday, though. And they're still last. Yep. They are still last, but they're only three points out of a playoff spot. It's weird. It could change quick. It could change quick in the East. Couple games, two, three games, and now they're in a playoff spot. So, yep. I think the West is starting to shape out the way the West is going to look, though. You think so? Yeah, I do. I'm not counting the Wild out, though. No, me either. I'm not saying it's going to be a perfect eight for eight on what it is right now. And I'm not counting the Kraken out either. They had a bad start, very bad start, but I think the Ducks are going to fall off. I really do. Um. Yeah, I think they fall off being a playoff team. I don't think they'll be decent, but they're not going to be a playoff team. Yeah, we're not. I don't think so either. But we're not going to be talking about Macklin Celebrini for them. I don't think eighty-five, ninety points. Ninety points. I could see them being a ninety-point playoff misser. That's a lot. That's like they might get in the playoffs. You miss playoffs with ninety points. Depends how bad the the year is, but yeah, I would say I would say you miss playoffs with ninety points this year. You think they're going to have like 40 something wins, like 40, 50 something wins? Not 50. Like 41 wins? No, 38, 39. Well, that would only be 78 points. They're not going to have 12 OTLs. I mean, well, (laughs) you know, it's funny. Teams do. They have none right now. (laughs) They have none right now, which is funny. That's what I'm saying. It's like, like teams do get in 9, 10, 11 OTLs by the end of the year. Like, you know, what were the records last year? I don't think you could pull up last year's record. I, I got it. I got it. You know, like there had to be multiple double digit OTL teams. There were. The, we had a couple 13s, a um, couple 11s. Absolutely. What's the lowest you can pick out? <laughs> uh, I'm actually curious. There's no zero burger in there. I guarantee that. Three. Three. Okay. The Jets. Oh, wow. So the Jets, when they get to overtime, they either win or lose. Or they don't go to overtime. Or they either win or don't go to overtime. Or the Sharks had 16. No, yeah. And that wasn't even the most. The Flames had 17. Maybe that was a sign. They stunk last year. They couldn't win in overtime. Yeah, I mean, if they win half of those, they're in the playoffs. And that's the only reason why they were kind of up there, because they got 17 points for losing. Mm -hmm. Maybe that was the sign we didn't really take into account. Yeah, I wish I wish the NHL did 3-2-1 like the Olympics. Yeah. 
three, two, one, it'd be a little more fair, I think, because teams like Calgary would be way out of it mm-hmm. if it was three, two, one. You'd still have a chance. It would help to lose in overtime rather than regulation. But I also think winning in overtime isn't as good as winning in regulation. So, right. like, you get one less point for that. Uh, I think it would entice teams to not play to avoid giving up the lead um, at that point. So we'll see, Frank. It's yep. fun talking about the Battle of Alberta, but it's about time we move on to the rest of the NHL in period number two. Welcome to period two, Frank. On Sunday, I went to the game between the Chicago Blackhawks and the New Jersey Devils. Sure, that the was Devils, a blast. It was a blast. The Devils took a game by a final score of four to two. Um, the Hawks, they kept, they were in it. They skated. No Jack Hughes, no Nico Heischer. Um, You know, that's obviously tough. I do think it was the type of game where if Jack Hughes was playing, he would have danced around everyone and had a jolly old time. But, I mean, the Devils, they got a good, gritty road win without their two best players. And, you know, since then they've played against the Avalanche and lost. Anyone with a brain would have thought that without Hughes and Heischer, with Hughes and Heischer, it would have been a close game. It was a close game without them. You know, the Devils can compete with teams like Colorado. Yeah. But, you know, without their two best players, it's hard to compete with the Sharks. <laughs> Honestly, I, they, yeah. they beat the Sharks. But, you know, it's really hard always. And so, I don't know, where do you stand on the Devils, where they are right now, that win over the Blackhawks, and then we'll get into the Blackhawks on their own a little bit. Yeah, well, the Devils, they played a very good game without their top two guys. Um, they were quick. They uh, they didn't really slow down offensively too much. Um, Tyler Toffoli, he's been sensational this year. I know um, against the uh, Avalanche yesterday, he had another big game. Toffoli's been electric. I mean, he's a machine. Probably one of their biggest acquisitions, if, if not the biggest, the Devils have made it since they've started being good, to be honest with you. He's been electric. Um, what I love about the Devils, though, is they – no matter what's thrown their way, like with he's or Heeshear and Hughes being out, they never slowed down. They never took took their foot off the gas. Their gameplay stayed the same, and we saw that against the uh, the Blackhawks, and we saw that against the Avalanche. It worked out against the the Blackhawks, but obviously it's going to be hard to beat a team on the road like the Avalanche without those top two guys. But against the Hawks, Devils looked fantastic. Um, yeah, I, I don't want to touch on the Hawks yet, so I'll let you. You were at the game. You probably had a way better perspective than I did because, you, you know, sometimes you see things when you're at the game that you don't always see on TV. Players look a lot different, so I'd love to hear what you had to say about your experience being there. Yeah, so the Devils, they're fast. They're damn fast. When they have the puck, they're a million miles per hour. It's even more evident. It's evident on TV. It's evident like crack, um, you know, in person. So when you go to a game and you check out a team like the Devils, it's like, wow, they really are damn fast. And they didn't even have their two best players. The power play's still been clicking somehow for the Devils, even without Hughes, but it looks sloppier. Yesterday against Colorado, they scored two power play goals, but they had a seven-minute-long power play. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think any team would score at least one on a seven-minute-long oh, power play. It's a freaking half NHL. the period. Yeah, literally. Um, because douchebag Ross Colton on the Avalanche – decided to deck Luke Hughes and board him from five feet away from the boards. And then when that was done, he goes over to Timo Meyer and cross-checks him in the mouth. So he got a two-minute minor for cross-checking and a five-minute um, 
major penalty and a 10 minute game misconduct. Ooh. If you had Ross Colton in fantasy, you won your fantasy week in penalty minutes. You, that, you, right there. you won that category right there Ooh. with that play. But I mean, the devils, they got on the power play. It, it, they scored, but it, it like, it was sloppy. It was like off the rush or like they got a good pass. Meyer scored when it was five on three or four on three. Um, because I, I think they were at four on four or something when the play first happened. It was weird. It was a weird game. But Meyer scored early. So, like, that doesn't even count as, like, truly setting up the power play like a normal. They won the faceoff, got it to Meyer, and he sniped it. They didn't really set up. It's just so obvious without Hughes. Jesper Bratt is very good at entering the zone, and you could see this in person when you're watching. Jesper Bratt is very good at entering the zone on the power play. He gains the zone as good as any forward or D in the NHL. But once they have the zone, they're missing that guy who could just dance around. And he sure and Hughes could both do it. Hughes does it way better. Taylor Hall can do it. You know, even even today, Taylor Hall can do it. Um, it's a skill that not every elite forward has like Timo Meyer, Jesper Bratt, they get tons of goals and tons of points. Neither of them are circling around the half wall and doing what those other guys can do. Connor Bedard can do it. I've noticed. Um, so like what it is, is like, it's the play where the defenseman he'll have the puck at the top and then the winger or centerman will come around the circle and he'll catch the pass from the, uh, defenseman, the power play quarterback in stride. And he skates it up the left side. He's looking, and he's got the net and right in front of him. He can either shoot it or pass it off to somebody who's ready to snipe on the other side. Without Hughes, that's very difficult to execute that type of power play. Like the Capitals and the Lightning, those two teams don't really do that. The Capitals keep Ovechkin over here, and they just feed him one tease all day. And the Lightning, they have Stamkos and Kucherov, one on each side, and you feed them, hoping to shoot it from that side. Uh, the Rangers do the same thing with Zabanajad, but um, you know the way the Devils do it, they misuse. It was clearly so painfully obvious that all their goals were like gritty and grimy, and it was the same way against Colorado. But that was my perspective on them. And then at the game, it was my second time seeing Bedard uh, play a game, and this dude, I mean, he creates time and space for himself like no eighteen-year-old I've ever seen. I don't mm-hmm. think, and he didn't score. He's got five goals on the year, which has him right there with all the top players in the league. Um, you know, I think the NA, Austin Matthews has 13. I wholeheartedly think he gets 60 minimum. And he probably pushes for 70 if he stays healthy. Um, you know, people who think that's crazy, go look at how many goals McDavid scored last year. At a slightly higher pace, he gets 70. Um, and Matthews is at that slightly higher pace. He's got three hat tricks. That's crazy. Not even halfway through November. Not even we're halfway to the halfway point of November. It's the first week. Well, yeah. starting the second week, but yeah. I mean, Matthews can easily have three more hat tricks by Christmas. And that's nine goals right there. Mm-hmm. You know, in three games. So the other games where he scores one or two, we're talking thirty goals by Christmas. So we'll see we'll see what happens there. But um I really like Bedard's game, man. He's a superstar. That place goes crazy for him, too, and he eats up every second of it. He just went on Pete Blackburn's new podcast. I think it was their second episode. I know what you're going to say. <laughs> talked about Vancouver. Yeah, and how he cried. He cried. The <laughs> Vancouver went through the Hawks to get to that Stanley Cup final, which is very funny. Alexander Burroughs in overtime um, of Game 7 when the Hawks tied <laughs> it late. 
and then they lost to the Bruins and Pete Blackburn is a Bruins fan. So it was just a very, if you haven't seen that, go watch, go watch that yeah. podcast. It's very, very funny, but I love Bedard. He's an absolute dog. Yeah. What I was going to say about the Hawks is Bedard's been sensational. He's on pace for 37 goals, which is above the total that was set preseason. And he's also the first teenager to have five goals through the first 10 games for the Blackhawks since Jonathan Taves did it. Bedard and Taves, they're the two only two. They're the two only teenagers to ever do that for the Blackhawks, which is something I thought was cool because everybody watching, you know, they love Taves. And then now it's like, okay, but Bedard's here now and he's replicating what some of the great Blackhawks have done in the past. And they played a great game against the Devils. Like you said, the Devils played great. The Blackhawks played great. I mean, the Hawks could have played better defensively. They gave up way too many shots on goal, but that's all part of the growing pains. And the game was close. The Devils got a last-second empty net goal with 0.4 seconds left. And maybe it's different because I wasn't at the game, and you could tell me if I'm wrong, but from what I saw on TV, they were competitive. And that and that's exactly what they have been uh, this year so far. They've been exciting to watch. They've been competitive, minus obviously – the Colorado Avalanche game, the Coyotes game. But besides that, really every game, they've kind of been competitive, nasty, gritty, fun to watch. And it's honestly from even their losses, what I'm seeing, it's been a breath of fresh air. So I, I've enjoyed what I'm seeing. I think the Hawks are in great hands for their future. I really do. I agree. I mean, they're fun to watch now. Connor Bedard's insane. And they have a top five farm system, even if you disinclude Bedard. Uh, Korchinski's the real deal. He makes passes like nobody's business. I love what I'm seeing from Wyatt Kaiser. He's been unreal. Um, we'll see what happens with some of their goaltending prospects as the years come along here. But I mean, and they're going to get another really good player in next year's draft. And I, you know, we're going to touch on college hockey in a little bit here, but damn, Oliver Moore, oh. Frank Nazar, oh, my just God. these outstanding young players who are probably going to play for the Hawks. Maybe as soon as next year, at minimum two years from now. Two years for sure, guaranteed. Yeah, because like next year they could play in the AHL. They could go back to school. There's a lot of, you know, opportunities for those guys to better their life and career, you know, uh, you know, away from the NHL. We'll see. But I mean, if they're ready for the big show, I mean, I don't really see the point in not bringing them up if they're gonna, 100%. you know, try. And next year, what you're seeing from the Ducks and what you're seeing from the Yotes right now. That could be the Blackhawks next year or the year after. I think it really could. Uh, yeah, Skokes makes a great point. Uh, Vlasic, arguably the best young D on the roster right now. He's been sensational. Yeah, well, Vlasic also has a lot more experience than um, Korchinski and Wyatt Kaiser. You know, he's one of those guys, like, now you see it takes a minute for these D to develop. And I do think the Hawks... They're going to go through a similar trajectory as the Devils because the Devils are still very young. I'm pretty sure they even have an overall younger roster than the Blackhawks, um, which is crazy. I think the Hawks will get younger as the team gets better because they won't be signing Felinos and they won't be signing Perrys and those guys drastically up the average age just by being there by themselves. Um, and Taylor Hall, obviously that ups the age on the team. They have Andreas Athanasiu, Seth Jones, guys like that. Um, you know, but the devils, they're like kind of developing while trying to win, you know, Kevin ball and Luke Hughes are like first and second year defensemen mm -hmm. and they're playing large minutes every single night. I have a feeling that's going to happen to the Blackhawks when they're a 90 to 100 point team i think there'll still be some development going on at the nhl level too and you know early in seasons 
I wouldn't shock me if the Hawks have a year where they have high expectations coming in and they're 7-4-1 and one, but haven't played amazing in all their games. Mm-hmm. And the talent is helping them win games, but there's still development going on. You know, that that, that happens sometimes. And it happened with Colorado. It you did. know, and Bowen Byram, so and they were so bad. But also, like, there was a couple years there where they were really good, but they you saw their flaws because the players were still getting better. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that type of stuff happens. It's going to happen. I, I do think the future is very bright. Um, Bedard's the real deal, and I love everything they're surrounding him with so oh, far. Yeah, it's fantastic. The future is so bright. It's like I said, it's really been a breath of fresh air to watch their games. It sure has. And nobody knows. Uh, that's another thing. You don't know what free agents are going to become available when it's time to win, too. What if they take a serious run at Leon Dreisidel when the time is right? You know, what if they make a huge trade? What if someone wants out of somewhere? And the, you know, what if a Jack Eichel situation pops up? Well, that's what I said the other day. I said, you know, when the Hawks are ready to win and they're good, players are going to want to come here and yeah. play with Bedard. Like, they're going to make some moves, I would have to say. Yeah, 100%. Like, yeah. And so you don't know what, you know, who's a huge player who could be a free agent, relative, like, within the next three years? Matthews and four. Matthews and I think it's five, technically. How is it? Yeah, I don't know if Matthews uh, that I used to think Matthews to Chicago. Well, in five, they should be good. Yeah, I mean, maybe he will want to end his career in Chicago, and you know, it would be like, do you want to give a twenty-eight-year-old a six-year deal or a seven-year deal? That'll be the debate. But like, at least for a couple years, it would be smart. What if somebody like, what if somebody like Owen Power or Rasmus Dahlin is a twenty-seven, twenty-eight-year-old free agent at that point in time, mm-hmm. and like the Hawks go for them? Like, the, the all these types of things are very, very possible, and. I don't know, man. I, I, I just I, I see a world where the Hawks are very, very good in three to four years, but you probably have one or two more nasty years ahead of you. I Here's my prediction. I said this the other day, um, and you weren't around to hear it. Um, I have the Hawks obviously kind of stinking next year, which is what, the 2024-2025 season. I think there'll be a bubble playoff team in 2025, 2026. And I think they could be a really like nuisance to potentially win a cup in 2026, 2027. Very fair. That's my absolutely fair. And you know what? That kind of fits Kyle Davidson's like five-year plan. Mm -hmm. We're in year two of it right now. And they're already kind of, I don't want to say they're ahead of schedule because the record is what it is, but they didn't plan. When Kyle Davidson said that, they didn't know they'd be getting the generational talent from British Columbia. Like next year, they'll still be probably, I mean, maybe they'll be like Anaheim this year, probably miss the playoffs. Cause I don't think I, I don't know if Anaheim's going to project as good as they've been. Um, we have opposite opinions on that, but like, if not really, if they, if they pan out the way I think they will, I think the Hawks can maybe be like that next year. Um, and then really the year after it's like, all right, guys, we're going to try and get into the playoffs and make a run. Well, we'll see. I mean, any, it could surprise us too. Right, like you never know what happens. Maybe they stink for three years, or maybe they're better next year. I don't know. I mean, it all depends. I mean, there's a lot of time between now and the off season and the draft, and who's ready to come over is Oliver Moore, Frank Nazar. Um, I keep forgetting the other guy that we drafted too. Uh, was, Ethan Del Mastro. No, it was the last. It was the twenty-something uh, pick when we drafted uh, Nazar Korchinski. It's not Del Mastro. No. I'm drawing a blank then too, but I mean, do you think there's going to be a year where they start off well? I'm going to look it up. 
they start off well and they play well through like January and then start to fall off in the end. I could see that oh, happening next uh-huh. year or the year after. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I think is going to happen with Anaheim this year. They're going to play well. It'll come to February, the dog days of the season. They'll lose a couple and then, you know, kind of ride off into the sunset. You know, be a 80 to 90 point team, depending on ah, how good they start. Who is it? Sam Renzel. That's right. I forgot about Sam Renzel. He was like the 25th pick or something that year. It went Korchinski, Nazar, Renzel. I always forget about him, but I mean, hopefully he's. Oh, Tom said it right here. It's Sam Renzel. I always forget about him, but I mean, he could be a great defenseman too. I haven't heard yeah. a lot about him lately, but he could. And you know what? When you have three first round picks, there's a chance that Kyle Davidson saw that as an opportunity to like swing for the fences on a draft pick, mm-hmm. you know, maybe not projected to go exactly where he went, but like, right. He sees something, but you have two other first round picks to kind of, you know, hang your head on. 100%. You know, the, the devils did that when they had three picks, they took Alexander Holtz, Dawson Mercer and Shakir Mohamedoulin. Well, they traded Mohamedoulin to the Sharks in the Timo Meyer trade. Um, do I think all of these young defensemen are going to play for the Hawks one day? No. That's just not possible because Seth Jones is going to be there. You know, they already let guys like Ian Mitchell go. Yep. So, like, and he had an assist with the Bruins the other night. You know, it's a good player. He was really good when he was in college. So, I don't know, man. There's a lot of good... A lot of good coming up. I would love to see them add like a blue chip defenseman prospect too. I know Velasic has is really really good, but I think what his do you mean by blue chip, like blue collar almost, like top tier prospect, oh. like like suit like it's very hard to find. Like I'm these guys don't grow on trees, otherwise everyone would have one. But like like if they drafted Bowen Byram in 2019, like I wanted them to. Watched him play yesterday. He's real good. He's real good. Um, he's real good, and being on Colorado hasn't even allowed him to like reach his full potential because he's not. Grab him. He's not their number one or number two D. Um, if he was with Chicago, he'd like have a much uh, more elevated role. Kevin Korchinski, he's an A tier defenseman prospect. It'd be cool if they were able to find themselves an S tier defenseman prospect to like you know, build the blue line around maybe this year, but you know what? If Korchinski's their number one D on a championship team, I don't think, I don't think that's a hundred percent out of the realm of possibility. I really it wouldn't don't surprise me if they were able to win with him as the one D it wouldn't, but I think like a good ceiling would have him as like a number two and like, you go get that Norris guy, right? Like you find a way, like, do you see Kevin Korchinski ever winning the Norris trophy? I don't know if that is the type of ceiling that he has. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't even know if that's the type of ceiling Luke Hughes has. And like Luke Hughes is ranked higher on a lot of people's lists yeah. than a Korchinski. Like even a David Yerichek, the kid in Columbus, outstanding. A, a true number one D. Is he going to be a Norris? Like Quinn Hughes might not even win the Norris. At You know, this year he's probably the early favorite, uh, especially since he started scoring some goals. That's the big key, but. Hey, the Hawks are going to be fun. I'm very much looking forward to the future that they have. Um, there was a question that I was going to ask you. What were we talking about right before that? Before the Hawks? No. We, we were talking about like blue chip prospects and whatnot. Uh, it's not that big of a deal. You said I... that the Blackhawks need to go out and get that number one elite defenseman. Um, I asked you what blue chip was. <laughs> yeah, I don't um, know. If I think of it, I'll say it. But, Frank, the Vancouver Canucks. 
speaking of Quinn Hughes, are an absolute wagon. Talk to me about what you've seen from that team. Very, very impressed with the Vancouver Canucks this season. They're 9-2-1 and to open up the season. Lost a close game to the Rangers, who are sizzling right now. They beat the Oilers three times, which doesn't say much as of right now, but they've also shut out the Dallas Stars. And Thatcher Demko, in that game against the Dallas Stars, played out of his mind. He had an incredible save. I don't know if it's going to be a save of the year candidate, but it was it was remarkable. And they scored 10 goals against the Sharks, which no mistake, scoring 10 goals against any NHL team is hard to do no matter what team you are. So that's that says a lot as well. They also are getting so much production from everybody on the team, which is what you love to see. They have five players on their team who are point per game or better this season. Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, JT Miller, Brock Besser, and Philip Hironik. I mean, who would have thought Hironik would have 13 points on D? His career high is 39. I mean, he's on pace to shatter that right now. I mean, he's playing out of his mind. And Brock Besser is also playing a huge role. And like I said a few weeks ago, I do think Brock Besser will have the best year yet in his career as a Canuck. And that is all the way that things are pointing right now. You start to ask the question, VP, is this the Canucks team we are seeing right now eerily similar to the one that went to the Stanley Cup in 2011? Well, they broke that team's record for the most points through X amount of games. I forget the exact number. Um, I don't see a world where they fall off, like in terms of the regular season. similar. Yeah. And, you know, who's their first-round opponent going to be? It'll probably be either one of. Could be, like, the Kraken. It could be the Kraken. It could be. I don't think they're going to win the division. I think Vegas is going to keep it rolling. Um, so it'll be the Kings, probably, would be my, like, ultimate guess. But it could be the Kraken. It could be, Ed, I guess, Ed, like, if they <laughs> prove me wrong. They could like, beat the Kings. It's really 100%. coming down. Yeah, I think they could beat the Kings. Like if the Ducks stay hot and got in and as the exactly. three spot. It's I'm like saying. a team that I would predict the Canucks to beat. The only one that would – I think Kings-Canucks would be a pick em. Like I, I think like, if they played Vegas, I think they're cooked probably. But they, it would be entertaining. Oh, yeah, it would be entertaining. The Kings the are, Canucks would be cooked, I think. The, yeah, me too. The Kings are 7-2-2, two, and two, so they deserve respect, too. They've been great. 100%. They've been great. I think, I think the Canucks have been better, though. Me too. Me too. And I, I would pick the Canucks in a seven-game series, but probably in seven games. Um, Yeah, I, I like what I'm seeing from them. They have they have the, the high-quality centerman, the two-way centerman, um, and Elias Peterson. They have a centerman slash winger that like does it all. JT Miller, Brock Besser is bringing his A game. They have the number one D, Quinn yep. Hughes, mm-hmm. and they have a goalie. Thatcher Demko has been great. So I mean, they have kind of like the recipe of like a successful core. So I think the Vancouver Canucks are the real deal. I think they stay good. I think they make the playoffs. Um, I'm not going to brag about all my playoff picks because I have a couple that are not looking so good right now, but I did say Vancouver. Um, and I was a little scared to say it because I, 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 like, I was thinking about it all summer long. Like, cause I just look at the teams and I'm like, I like Vancouver's roster better and people are going to disagree with me. I know I look at hockey in a little bit of a different way sometimes, but um, that was big brain thinking VP. It was. I, and give, it might, you credit. I give you credit. Thank you. And my own, my only reason for it was because, like, I think about all the winners I've seen, and they all have the goalie, the number one center, and the number one D. And then you build around that. 
And like when I'm talking a number one D, I'm talking about a number one D. Like the Devils kind of have that with Dougie Hamilton. The Florida Panthers had that with what's his face last year. Um, I'm drawing a blank on the defenseman's name now. Um, there's Ekblad too, but like there was another I'm one a, who scored a, a crap ton of goals. Yeah. Um, it wasn't Weger. Weger was it. traded to. Uh, I got to be honest. I'm bad. When it comes to that. But like you know, back in the day with the Kings, it was Kopitar, Dowdy, Quick. You know, it's just always one of those things. Like it always seems to line up. Now the teams that win the cup usually have that second center, right? Which is why I think the Canucks. We'll see with that. But I mean, they're they're damn good. Love watching them play. Best jer- best jersey catalog in the NHL too. Not best number one jersey. You know, I kind of think all the original six home jerseys are better. Uh, I really. Big, I mean, their jerseys are okay. I, I I love the alternates, the black one, and then the one with the stick. Yeah, I want okay. I want all of them. Last year's reverse retro is my favorite jersey I've ever seen. I still never bought one. What really, was that one what you really liked? In, was it college? That you had as your screensaver? No, that was, was the that was the Canucks. Oh, it was the Canucks. The reverse right? retro from last year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I want that jersey so bad. That I will is... get my hands on one one day. I want it so bad. That one is a very nice jersey. If anyone's watching and wants to get me a birthday present. It's a very nice. I want one so bad. Oh, my God. I will have one one day. Yeah. Um but yeah, the Vancouver Canucks. All right, Frank, another team from the Pacific Division. They haven't played quite as well as Vancouver, but they played much better than a lot of people anticipated coming into the season. The Anaheim Ducks, led by Mason McTavish. He's just Oof. been absolutely unreal so far this season. Zegris hasn't even played all that well. And the Canucks mm-hmm. or the Ducks have played super duper well. Now, do I think Zegris's lack of production? It always happens to these kids that think they can hold out and get millions and millions of dollars and all that kind of stuff. It never really works out to hold out. Um, you got to play and go to training camp. And he, he just didn't start the season in midseason form, which is the point of training camp and preseason, so that you're in midseason form by the time the real games start. And that's not the case for Zegers. I do think, you know, it'll all come back to him and he'll be fine. I'm not worried about Zegers in any way, shape or form. That didn't even cross my mind. But. I do think, you know, if he really starts to, like, pick it up and they have McTavish and Drysdale and Troy Terry's unreal, uh, this new kid that they have, I don't even, not even going to try and butcher his name. I don't know how to say it properly yet. He was their first-round pick uh, in 2020. Now I'm drawing a blank on what year it was. He was the 10th overall pick. Um, it's a Russian kid. I forget his name. He Real good, real good. I know who you're talking about. And, um, yeah, I, I, Gibson's been playing well. Right, like the Ducks haven't played well in front of him for a long time, so it made people kind of forget how good he was when the team in front of him wasn't trash. Um, I like the Ducks so far; they're in a playoff spot as we speak. Yeah, they play- hold on to it though. They're playing some great hockey as of right now. They were first; they were the first team to beat the Vegas Golden Knights in regulation this season. Then last night had a little bit of a letdown; couldn't score and got shut out by the Penguins, who were last in their division. But I think this is what you're going to get this year with the Ducks. Um, as a whole. I mean, last year they went 24 games under 500 and they were minus 129 with their goal differential. They were giving up a ton of goals. We're not seeing that this year. Troy Terry's been electric. I'm convinced that like Zegris is just at home playing NHL and that there's a doppelganger on the ice each night. He's nowhere to be found. Um, but the bright spot on this team 
has been the first line of the Ducks, consisting of Ryan Strom, Frank Vitrano, and Mason McTavish. This first line, VP, has combined for 17 goals and 36 points so far. Just on the first line. I mean, 17 goals and 36 points. There's some first lines out there that are better than the Ducks that don't even have that. I mean, are you kidding me? I mean, the numbers right now support this team of, of having the potential of being dangerous. But I think things are going to die down quite a bit. I think the three of them together on the first line are shooting at over 20%. That's going to naturally come down over time over the course of an 82-game season. Things are going to change, I think, in the near future for them. Rookie goaltender Lucas Dostal, Dostal, he's been great. 920 save percentage, 280 goals against. I mean, the future is definitely looking bright for this Anaheim Ducks team. But whenever we talk about the Anaheim Ducks, I lean to Trevor Zegras, and I think, is this team better without him than they are with him? It's a good topic, and I think there's a lot of debate there. I think a lot of teams kind of see the potential in him, and I don't know if the Ducks really need him going forward in their future. I really don't. Very interesting. Very, very interesting. And Can yeah, you get they, a first or second out of him. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Um, you know, they had another high draft pick last year. We didn't even like mention like Leo Carlson. Exactly. Like he's been unreal and, you know, started off the year a little hurt. And I think getting in there and playing well now, he, he'll be in the mix for the Calder trophy by the end of the season. I'm not necessarily sure he's like a favorite or anything like that, but I mean, you know, he's a guy who is absolutely deserving of, you know, some recognition here, I think. And they, they've just played well Yeah. and, you know. I like what they do. Last night was tough against the Penguins. Uh, I think the Ducks might be better than the Penguins, but maybe not. Like, they're probably roughly around the same. Um, but, I mean, for being a young team and having little to no pressure, they look like they're out there having fun. I don't think it's sustainable to, like, be a playoff team or anything like that. They're still young. They're still inexperienced. But they're going to be fun all year long. I agree 100%. Nasty. They're going to be that pesky nastiness. Sure are. Now, Frank, I wanted to kind of move on and talk about some college hockey a little bit. Okay. And, you know, we're going to start featuring college hockey on the show again a lot like we did last year now that we're starting to really get into the season here. Um, what do you got going on in terms of your college hockey update? Well, Boston College still at the top of the polls. I, I mean, I think it might be destined that they win it all this year. I mean, they have a ton of talent on their team currently. And this always seems to be the case every year. And I don't know if you heard the news about Boston College, but they landed the top NHL prospect for the 2025 NHL entry draft. His name is James Hagens, and he'll definitely be, if he's not number one, he's definitely in the running to go number one overall. But him and his brother committed to Boston College for next season, which I thought was pretty cool. That is very, very cool. Um, I have the standings right here on my phone ready to rock, at least a couple of the standings. Um, I actually I have to go back in to find the standings. I was looking at the leading scorers. Um, you know who leads college hockey in goals right now? It's not Celebrini. He's second with eight. And he's tied with he's tied with Cutter Gautier. It's Will Smith. No. I don't know. It's not Will Smith. Uh, he's tied. Celebrini's tied with a couple guys. One of them's Cutter Gauthier, who is like you know a, a Flyers draft pick. I like him. Going to be a real good player. Um, Gavin Brindley. 
Wow. Really? I, I wanted the Hawks to draft so bad. What are I'm, not, I'm not taking away anything from, you know, uh, Oliver Moore or anything like that. He's a freshman. Gavin Brindley's a sophomore. He's more advanced. Um, and I think he's in a really good situation being drafted by Columbus, who had Fantilli, his former line mate at Michigan now. Brindley has nine goals. And I don't, he has 15 points. So what is that? Six Six assists. assists. I mean, nine goals and six assists for 15 points. He is tied for third in points. Um, He's really, really good. I wanted, I, I thought he'd be a first rounder. He ended up being the third pick of the second round. But like honestly, or was it the second pick of the second round? He's in a good situation. Yeah, he won the second, I think. Columbus is going to be um, really, really good in short order. I think Gavin Brindley is going to be a big part of it. Um, another player I wanted to touch on, my favorite player in college hockey right now, is Seamus Casey, only because he, he's a devil's draft pick. He has yeah. 11 assists, second in all of college hockey with 11 assists. It's a lot of assists. A lot uh, of apples. It is, and he's just a defenseman. He he took over Luke Hughes' spot on the power play and all that stuff. Obviously, his points were going to increase this year. His role was going to be like pretty increased as the you know year goes along without Luke Hughes being there. And like Owen, pa- it was the same thing with Owen. Owen Power left. Like Luke Hughes' role increased, mm-hmm. and you know it's kind of happening again. I got to get over there and see Michigan at some point this year. But man. Gavin Brindley and Seamus Casey. I'm sure Seamus Casey has probably assisted on a couple couple of these uh, couple of these Brindley goals. Another player, Gabe Peralt. He is uh, tied for fourth in assists with Boston College. That yeah, wagon Boston you're talking College, about. Man, oh my God. Yeah, and Cutter Gautier, he goes there. Flyers <laughs> draft pick. Um, Gabe Peralt, he was a guy I was looking at for the Hawks too. And he, every year, and Will Smith is there, right? Will Smith is there too. Yeah. Freshman, things are a little different for freshmen. Yeah. It seems like, because um, I still think there's a chance Will Smith is like a true NHL star so for the I. San Jose Sharks. Um, but when I think of Gabe Peral, I'm like every year one of my draft crushes ends up with the Rangers. <laughs> I always have like five or six draft crushes every year, and by draft crush, I don't include guys like Jack Hughes. Or Connor Bedard, um, you know the guys who are like for sure gonna go number one. Mm-hmm. I would consider Nico Heischer a draft crush because like it wasn't a lock; he goes one. Mm-hmm. It could have been Nolan Patrick, it could have been Miro Heiskanen, it could have been Kale McCarr. Devils went with Heischer; they needed center. They were never taking a defenseman. Um, Freaking Keandre Miller was one of my biggest draft crushes. He was at Wisconsin. I was like, this guy's gonna be a stud. Rangers come up. Freaking take him. <laughs> uh, and now he's like their second best defenseman or third best defenseman. Absolutely an unreal player. Bowen Byram was one of my draft crushes. Um, he probably would have went to the Rangers if they didn't win the lottery and, you know, take they the freaking capo. They, they know I'm watching. I, and I, I, I see the Rangers a fair amount. So, yeah. like, all these guys end up haunting me in my dreams, the ones I like. But, <laughs> you know, I, I do. I, I appreciate players more than teams these days. Outside of the Devils. I'm enjoying players more than teams a lot. Um, do you remember what my favorite team crush was last year? What team did I love watching that wasn't the Devils? I watched almost every game they played. Hold on, VP. I remember. You I mean, I, I still like watching them now, but. Oh, the Islanders? No, it was the Oilers. 
the Oilers. Same yeah. colors. Right now it's Vancouver. I think I've watched every game Vancouver has played They're for the fun. last two weeks. They're fun. And so, you know, I I like watching people that I like. You know, my favorite laundry is the Devils. Outside of, like, right now the Hawks are one of my favorite teams because I love Bedard. I love Korchinski. You know, all these guys I followed when they were in junior, right? I'm a huge Hawks fan again. You know, but, you know, the Devils, it's you put on that uniform, I love you. Other teams, <laughs> yeah. it's like, I love the team because of certain players and whatnot. Um, I don't think Seamus Casey ends up playing for the Devils, though. I could see them trading him. I thought he was going to go in the Timo Meyer trade, but if they ever trade for a pretty good goalie, I could see Seamus Casey going the other way. Um, but we'll see. Maybe they do end up keeping him and he plays for the Devils, but um, I'm really excited about college hockey. I know we get extra excited for it once uh, we get into like the, the Frozen Four and all that. The, 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 the tournament of 16, tournament. but yeah. yeah, I'm looking ahead to the games this week. Um, Michigan plays Minnesota, and I think Woo! that is just a freaking awesome, awesome, awesome like a train crash matchup. Yes, Woo! it is. Yes, it is. Um, I'm looking for Hockey East. Um, oh, yeah. Boston College is playing Maine. Hell, yeah. Boston University is playing Massachusetts. Lowell. I think so. Maine always puts up fights, though. It's weird. Boston College are unreal. Oh, yeah. And then in the NCHC, North Dakota and Minnesota Duluth. Ooh. <laughs> Chef's kiss. That's a good matchup, too. Hell, yeah. Um, And, you know, Minna uh, Quinnipiac is playing Brown. They'll probably kill him. Quinnipiac the defending chances. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, love college hockey. If you're not watching college hockey, you need to start. A lot of games on ESPN+. Plus. A lot of games on ESPN+. Plus. Big Ten Network. Okay, you could be watching these games all over the place. They're as easy, accessible as ever. We talked about the Friendship 4 on the show, right? I think the, so. The, the games being taking place in Ireland next year. Uh -huh. Can't I wait for that. Last week we talked about it. I yep, think. I made it my cover photo on Twitter yesterday. I had to. I'm, I'm obsessed with that picture that I made my cover photo on Twitter. So love college hockey. Can't wait to keep getting into it and learning more about it as time goes on. I'm, I wouldn't even say I'm like a college hockey expert yet. You know, I'm pretty close to an NHL expert, I would say. You can ask me just about any storyline in the NHL, and I can offer an opinion on it. Um, college hockey, I'm still learning. I want to I want to get to that level. There's a lot going on in terms of college hockey. There is, and I don't have all the conferences down pat yet. There are teams that are in the Big Ten in real life, but they're in a different conference, or not in real life. College hockey is real life. In football, um, right, you know, they're different. in this conference. You know, Teams that are in the MAC playing against NIU in football every week are in other conferences mm -hmm. in college hockey. In in football, Notre Dame is independent. In basketball, they're in the ACC. In baseball, they're in the ACC. And in hockey, they're in the Big Ten. Figure <laughs> it out, Notre Dame. Like, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, the ACC doesn't exist in hockey. Like, they had to pick a conference. There's no non-con right. in hockey either, really. They wanted to make money off of their program, so they joined the Big Ten, which is obviously flooded with money. But Hockey East is probably my favorite to watch. You know, the champion of Hockey East every year wins the Lou Lamorello Trophy. And obviously, Lou Lamorello is, you know, he's the godfather of the New Jersey Devils and will be forever, I would say. Um, so, you know, big person in my life, I would say, uh, watching hockey all these years. Now he's the Islanders GM, but, you know, he's all I knew as the GM growing up. Right for the Devils. I think he left the Devils 
2015, I think, something like that. All right. And then he went to the Leafs for a couple years with Brendan Shanahan, yeah. so a former devil. Um, that sounds yeah. about right. So, Frank, what's your favorite hockey story of the week? I came across a story that gave me the chills when I was reading it. And I said, there's no better place to share it than on the Barroom Network, on the Bar Down Talking Hockey Podcast. So, my favorite hockey story of the week has to do with uh, some organization honoring Adam Johnson. And for those who don't know, Adam Johnson passed tragically last week during an English hockey game. Um, and you might not have known that he was also a former NHL player, played for the Pittsburgh Penguins. Then he was playing in uh, England for the Nottingham Panthers. For both teams, he won number 47. Well, during the Nottingham Forest football club game versus Aston Villa in a Premier League match, they stopped the match at the 47th minute and held up a Johnson banner with his number in the crowd. Players in the crowd and on the field gave Johnson a standing ovation, and even the PA announcer made some comments about how much Adam Johnson has impacted the city of Nottingham. And it's great to see stuff like this and honorings like this happening, even where hockey might not be as large as it is here. Um, Adam Adam Johnson, he made a huge impact for all those fans in Nottingham. So it's great that they honored him and acknowledged that at a soccer game. Um, for both teams to stop playing on the field to honor him. It was one of the coolest honor honorings I think I've ever seen in sports. I really like that story, Frank. And it's funny, mine has something to do with Adam Johnson as well. Um, but first, your story is really good. Obviously, that's a touching, powerful moment. And I love seeing humans honor and respect fellow humans. There's a lot of hate. There's a lot of mean people out there. The world is filled with a-holes. You know, all I got to do is go on Twitter and look at the mentions on some of the tweets that I write, just talking about a sports team that I like. And, you know, people telling me to shut the fuck up and all that. Like, like, dude, no, like you don't got to be mean. All down, yeah, right. So when I see you don't have to agree with me, that's fine. I don't care. I don't agree with you, but I'm not telling you I hate your mom. <laughs> right. Like, you know, it. it's very it's very easy to be kind and it, it's free even. It is free. And very few things in life are free, but being kind is one of them. And so I like seeing, you know, acts like that when there's tragedy that strikes. Um, my favorite story is we're starting to see some repercussion from the injury that took place to Adam Johnson. And it sucks whenever there's tragedy that strikes or whatever. That It seems like it takes that in order to see change. Mm -hmm. Like... You know, new laws are implemented when somebody dies in a car accident because of whatever reason at this corner. They'll put a stop sign there going for it, like, and it'll prevent accident. But someone had to die to get that stop sign put in place. I mean, it, it sucks that that's the way our world is. Um, but, I mean, it's nice to see the WHL implementing starting. I, I can't remember if it was starting this week or if it was starting at the beginning of next year. One of them was this week. One of them was year. the beginning of next year. Yeah. The WHL. That's the league Bedard and Korchinski and all them played in last year. Nico Heischer comes from the um, he, Nico Heischer comes from the QMJHL, which they haven't adopted anything yet. We'll see if the CHL as a whole implements something. And then, you know, you started to see all the teams that play in the uh, English league that Adam Johnson was playing in. Um, a couple college hockey teams have started to implement it. We've seen a few NHL players do it. TJ Oshie, Eric Carlson, guys like that have all kind of come in and started using these neck things to protect their necks from getting sliced by skates. 
it's a big deal. I, I would do it if I were playing pro hockey um, because the game is so fast. You you know, I've seen clips on Twitter now of like close calls mm-hmm. that teams in the NHL have had. And it's like you kind of you're a little shocked when you see these that what happened to Adam Johnson doesn't happen more often. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so raise awareness, protect yourself, do what you got to do um, for kids, especially, you know, in the NHL and the AHL, if a grown man doesn't want to do it, like he knows what he's signing himself up for. Um, I highly recommend it. I loved seeing, and people are saying, Oh, TJ Oshie, he's just trying to promote his business. Oh, uh, you know, TJ Oshie has like a hockey equipment business. Well, okay. But like, he, his business, even if Oshi benefits from it, his business still has something that can help you. Mm-hmm. You know, doctors became doctors because they want to be rich, but they also can help you. So, mm-hmm. like, do you do you hate doctors because they're paid well? You know, it, that argument just makes no sense to me. Doctors yeah. still want to help you. But, you know, if you told them they were no longer getting a paycheck, they wouldn't answer your phone calls anymore. <laughs> so, like, you yeah. know, it is what it is. You got to protect yourself. And, you know, I loved hearing that a bunch of guys, Skokes, point out that Kaiser started wearing one. So good for him. Um, we'll see what happens with this story going forward. But some touching moments. Oh, and another honorable mention. Uh, I can't follow up either of our two original favorite hockey stories of the week um, properly because nothing will compare with stories like that. But we touched on it already. The San Jose Sharks, they <laughs> finally won a game. They came over the Philadelphia Flyers. <laughs> and, you know, Frank, we have a buddy. We have a buddy. Oh, his, I know. His name's Dylan. <laughs> He's a big Flyers fan. I told him they were cooked, and, and he was so mad. And he put... He put money on the Penguins being the team to lose to the Sharks over the weekend. <laughs> the Penguins scored 10. <laughs> and then his team, 48 hours later, loses to that Sharks team that gave up 10 and cost him money. <laughs> the Flyers, they got off to a moderately good start. And this guy's talking junk, you know, because we laughed at him. We were like, oh. The, the the Flyers, they're, they're probably there. I think they're worse than the Blue Jackets. And I thought that coming into the season. And the Blue ja- Jackets had a little bit of bump in the road early. The Flyers start off hot. He's, you know, going off. You thought they'd be better than the Blue Jackets. Like, what are you, crazy? And lo and behold, now they have the same number of points. The Flyers are who we thought they were. Man, do they stink, too. They're not great. They really stink, great. too. And, you know, the one weekend I was hanging out with him. And at that point in time, the Devils and Flyers had the same record. <laughs> oh, boy. Opposite directions have the team. He was gone. so mad. Oh, my God. Oh, that's great. And I know he doesn't listen to our podcast, so I don't even feel bad. Um, you know, <laughs> Might be listening right now. Stun me and tell me you're listening if you are. <laughs> Could you imagine? Um, yeah, that would be funny. But, man, the Flyers stink, and that's one of my favorite stories, too. Although, I did tell Dylan this, and it wasn't a lie. They've been one of my favorite teams to watch so far this season. I love Bobby Orbrink. Mm-hmm. I think Cutter Gauthier is going to be a stud. I love Farabee. I love watching um, Konechny play. Kind of reminds me of, like, a diet Marshan. Yeah. I think I've said that before on the show. Carter Hart's a really good goalie. I would try to trade him if I was Philly. All real talk. 
but man, is it funny to see them, you know, let, let, wait a month before you start talking your junk about your favorite team that's supposed to stink because <laughs> of the hot start they got. You know, it's one thing if a team like Vegas or the, you know, the Devils or whoever's supposed to be good, if they get off to a good start and you talk your junk. But if you're like the Flyers who are expected to be in the Macklin Celebrini sweepstakes and you're talking your junk after October. Oh, my God, dude, we got 70 games left to go. I don't know what the <laughs> hell you think this is. <laughs> Dave Pace is loving this. Oh, my God, is that funny. And, you know, I feel the same way. People overreacting because the Devils, they're using teenage defensemen and there have been some bumps in the road. Dude, we got 70 more of these things. <laughs> you think you're, you think I'm going to gonna, you think I'm gonna sit here and get upset because they lost to Colorado without Heischer and Hughes? You got another thing coming, pal. If I'll I'll cry when they inevitably either win the cup or lose in the playoffs. You know that that's the time to get worried about things. But right now, man, oh my God, we got way too long to go before I start doing anything other than laughing at people. <laughs> All right, Frank, we had a lot of hockey talk over the first hour and a half of the show. I think now's the time we finally move on and have a little chit chat about the National Football League in period number three. One, two, three. Football! football. <laughs> love football. Absolutely love football. How can um, I, I honestly think that makes you a weirdo. <laughs> like, because like hockey's every day, baseball's every day. You kind of, in order to like take the game in full, you can't really let your eyes leave the screen for a lot of the time. Right. And football, it's like the ultimate American sport. You can half watch, you can eat your chips in between plays, you could go take a dump if you need to. Like football is just like, you can take a little bit of a power nap. I don't do those things. I analyze, I watch, I'm locked in. He's dialed in. But like the average person, they can watch and enjoy football with little to no effort. Like, I just don't get why you wouldn't watch it and participate. I mean, this stuff is awesome. Now, the local team, <laughs> the Chicago Bears, boy, do they stink. Oof. I tell you what, I still think they're the worst team in the NFL. I know they have two wins. They beat a disgruntled, about to fire their coach. Josh McDaniels is an absolute joke of a coach. Um, Raiders team with their third string quarterback in that hasn't won in two years. That is not a quality win for the Chicago Bears. And then their other win over the Commanders, they almost beat the Commanders last year too. I don't know what it is about Thursday night football against the Commanders that the Bears just find ways to play well. Sometimes they win, sometimes they don't. It, it just does. But I, not letting those two wins deteriorate the fact that I truly think they are the worst team in the NFL. The the Panthers are right there. Okay, I do, th and so are the Cardinals. But the Cardinals play hard. The Cardinals play very hard, and they're going to get Kyler back this weekend. Hopefully that helps them win a game or two down the stretch so they're not in the top overall pick sweepstakes anymore. I'd love to see Kyler Murray just come in and light the world on fire. All of a sudden, the Patriots are in the mix for this number one pick with the Bears. Mm -hmm. I, I, I hope they win a game or two down the stretch so they can kind of avoid being in that mix. But, man, the, so I think the Saints stink. I think whoever wins the NFC South stinks but they'll have like an eight and nine or nine and eight record. The saints are five and four. So like the bears couldn't even play with the saints food and the saints, they're not elite. So they weren't able to pull away right. in the end, but I still think they overall dominated the game. They never really felt like the bears had a chance to win No, but 
because I the Saints because the Saints aren't elite, they weren't able to pull away. If the Chiefs or the Jaguars or the Bengals or the Bills or the Eagles, if those two teams played the exact same game against the Bears, they would have won by 30. Yep. But the Saints aren't on that level. So the Bears are so far away from even being a team like the Saints, middle of the pack, 20th best team in the league maybe. And the Saints are so far away from being a contender, a legit contender. Right. So how, that just goes to show how far the Bears are away from being a legit contender. I thought the game stunk. The Bears stink. Um, I really don't know what else at this point with them. What were you going to say? Bears, you know, they played the Saints tough at times. Saints aren't a great team. In fact, they kind of stink in my opinion too. Bajent played terrible. He looked good at times, but to throw three interceptions, that is ultimately what cost you the game. Remember that guy in the chat trying to tell me he had a strong arm and he was going to end up being the guy? (laughs) I mean, what I've seen from this Bears team with Bajent is that he can make a throw if he has to downfield. He's not always consistent with it, but he's capable of making a throw downfield. And Matt Eberflus, he's got to go. This man has no balls to do anything. Do you remember? I don't know if you remember that Bajent play where he dove for the first down. Yeah, yeah. And originally it was like fourth and inches or whatever. It was fourth and very, it it was like fourth and inches and you're tied at 17 in the fourth quarter and you're in opposing, you're in the saints territory and you send out the field goal unit on fourth and inches when the game means jack shit in opponent territory in the fourth quarter and you send out the field goal unit and then they review it and they made it a first down. You have no, why don't you, in what world would you kick the field goal? Come on. This team stinks. I think any team in the league can execute the tush push to get a credit card worth of inches. I know. And he goes, I'm going to send out the field goal unit. Yeah, because if you win this game, it's going to make a difference. No, it's going to hurt you in the long run. Yeah. Freaking Matt Eberflew stinks. He's the worst coach in the NFL, I think. Like, now that McDaniels has been fired, I think Eberflew, I still would probably take him. McDaniels over Eberflus. He stinks. Honestly, yeah, it's bad. I didn't like the hire the day they made it. So, you know, I don't feel bad about it. It's not a good decision by the Bears that they made. Um, But he's the guy for the rest of the season. The Chicago Bears have never fired a coach midseason. It ain't happening this year. Uh, I actually wouldn't right now, I don't think. No, I mean, I think I'd rather lose except tomorrow. They better win tomorrow. I hope they win tomorrow. I, I think every Bears fan does. Skoke says, worst coach in franchise history official. He might be VP. This guy's got no balls. Mark Tressman was bad. I think I'd take him over Eberflus. Mark Tressman was really bad. The only thing people are going to come at me with, he had the one year with Brandon Marshall and Alshon Jeffrey and Martellus Bennett and Jay. And Matt Forte, and it was a formidable offense, but the defense was so bad during those years. Like, I think the defense was worse then than it is now, but the offense was better, and he didn't only have five wins in two years, uh, Trustman. So maybe Trustman era was better than uh, that's kind of the first time I've done some deep thinking on it and like actually talked it out. It's between him and Trustman for me. John Fox was terrible, but I liked the hire when they made it. Because it was John Fox. Um, okay, Skokes says worst coach by team record. I'm curious if Coach Skokes would take Tressman or Eberflus to coach the team next year. I think I'd take Tressman, truly. Interesting. Very interesting. He stunk. Eberflus, I mean, he was. He doesn't take chances. 
Yeah, I mean, no, he doesn't. He the way he talks to the media is dumb. You know, at least Tressman like tried. Eberflus just seems like he thinks everyone he's talking to is an idiot. And I hate when people talk like that. Don't talk to me like I'm an idiot as a media person. <laughs> talk to me like I know what I'm talking about because I do know what I'm talking about in this instance. We're not talking about advanced science or medicine. We're talking about football. I understand football. Talk to me like I understand football, Matt Eberflus. Um, but, yeah, they suck. Um I have yet to see a Bears fan root for them to lose tomorrow, though, because I know most games it's pretty divided. They got to lose. There's the they got to win. I mean, there's the people who say I will never root for the Chicago Bears to lose. I never will. And there are people like me that say I hope they lose every damn game and get the best draft pick possible because that's how you get better in the end anyway. Um, I have no problem. I won't actively cheer against them. I'm not standing up and clapping. When the New Orleans Saints score a touchdown on them, but in my head I'm like, okay, the you know the ball's rolling, got to have another high pick. Um, but tomorrow nobody's having that discussion. Everyone oh, wants yeah. them to beat the Panthers because Absolutely. the Panthers have the highest chance of getting the number one pick. I do see the argument that if the Panthers win, that'll mean they both have two losses, and that'll increase both picks' chances of being number one. But I would rather have number one and number four than number two and three. Yeah. I really, really would. So, because you're probably not getting Marvin Harrison Jr. at number four, but like, do you want to draft a rookie star wide receiver when you're drafting a rookie quarterback anyway? I don't know if you do. You never know. I also don't even know. I'm not in love with any of the quarterbacks in this draft. I know people love Caleb Williams. I told you my take on Caleb Williams at the party on Saturday. I... He's good. He might be good in the NFL, but he's not a generational prospect. I do not see him in the same light. And he could Patrick Mahomes wasn't a generational prospect. Tom Brady wasn't a generational prospect. They became Hall of Fame quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm not saying that can't happen for um Caleb Williams. What I am saying is I don't see them in the same vein as Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. I don't even see him in the same vein as Trevor Lawrence who has lived up to all the expectations in the NFL. The Jaguars are 11-2 and two in their last 13 games. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he has lived up to it. I, I just I don't see that from Caleb Williams in college. And that's, that's what being a good scout is, is saying, despite what you see in college, this translates to the NFL. That's what they're saying about Caleb Williams. I would right. draft him, but I don't know, man. This Bears team, they suck. They suck. It's just irritating each week. I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow, though. Me too. I'll be at a restaurant watching it, too, which is always super fun. Um, The AFC North, Frank. Yep. It's the best division in the NFL. That's that's what I was going to say, right? It has to be. I think it is. It might be the best division I've ever seen. Like, if you took took each one of them and evaluated them, it's clearly the best division. Yeah. I'm not old, so I haven't been watching football for 50 years like some of our counterparts here on the network. Um, you know, our, our colleagues like Mike North and Aldo Gandia and, you know, even some of the guys who are younger than them, but older than us, they've seen it more too, but I can't recall ever seeing a division like the AFC North. I think all four teams can make the playoffs. And I told you during the preseason that the Browns are good. And I told you the Steelers are good, but I'm not putting either of them in the playoffs because I really didn't think it was possible for three teams in the same division to make the playoffs, let alone four. 
Is it possible they have four? Is that impossible? I think there's set there's seven teams that make the playoffs, so it would be they have every wild card team. Is that possible? Yeah, with having to play each person in your division twice. I think it is possible if you dominate your non-division schedule, which they kind of all are right now. I don't have like split the in-series schedule too. Yeah, there no no none of the teams are getting the number one seed. I don't think in that instance. Did you know they're the only division in the NFL where every team is above 500? Yeah, that doesn't shock me. Okay, Frank, if the season ended today, all four teams would be in the playoffs. I know, but at the end of the season, is it possible? Because I don't of- know because they play each other and whatnot. Yeah, right. Well, well, we'll see. We'll see. But the Bengals are the best of them, in my opinion, and they're in last place because of tiebreakers. And the yep. Browns, they let one bad loss really get away. Oh, yeah. They they should be second, really, um, but they have that win over the Steelers, or did no the Steelers beat them? That's why they have did the, the Steelers tiebreaker. beat the Bengals. The Steelers, I don't remember. Here, I'll tell you in a second. I they might they have. Played. They beat the Browns. I remember. Didn't they wait? They beat the Ravens too, didn't they? The Steelers did beat the Ravens. Yeah, They're one of their two losses. The Steelers have yet to play the Bengals. Oh. They play them twice still to go here. They got big wins in their division. They do, dude. Every team in this division is well, awesome. And it's Mike Tomlin. Like he's never under five hundred. No, never under five hundred. And so. you know, they're all five and three except the Ravens. And you know, the Ravens, they might be the best team out of them all. I think the record obviously shows that. But like, you know, Lamar, MVP, great coaching. I think if the season ends today, Lamar probably does win the MVP. Yeah, um, they have the best record in the AFC. Um, you know, they have quality wins. They still play the they still play the Jaguars if they beat them. Um, and and the Ravens are the only team in the division who have yet to hit their bye week. So it'll be interesting to see what the other teams do when the Ravens endure their bye week. Absolutely. And you know, I'm looking at the standings right now, and it looks like so if the season ended today, they would be the three wildcard teams. What might keep one of these teams out is the Bills. Oh yeah. The Bills are five and four. The other three teams in this division are five and three. So Bills if the, can make it still. If the Bills, yes, they can. And so can the Jets. So can the Chargers. And so can the Texans. But I don't think I the Texans are great. C.J. Stroud will be the offensive rookie of the year, mm-hmm. but I don't see them hanging on to a playoff mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. I don't see the Chargers hanging on to one either, although I like how they've played lately. they played great lately. Um, Aaron Rodgers is coming back. Just get out of here. Uh, no, he is. He's not coming back. If if they're within a game or two of a playoff spot on December 12th. Which they won't. Last Two nights ago's loss was tough. I'm not going to so. argue that, but they've hung in there. Um, they have hung in there for not having Aaron Rodgers, and he would be a significant upgrade over Zach Wilson. But, man, I'm rooting for the AFC North. I love all four of those teams. You know how I feel about Ohio, and yep. I've always loved the Steelers. I, Pittsburgh is one of my favorite cities I've ever been to. Big Steelers guy here, too. Obviously. Yeah, I know. You know, you, I don't love them as much as you, but I love them. Um, I want to go to a game in Pittsburgh. We should all go to a game in Pittsburgh. That'd be so much fun. I think it'd be poetic. I think we have oh to do God. it together. We have to do it together. After all, after our Steelers love riding fest that we've had on this show for the last handful of years. Now, 
the difference, I'm honest about the Steelers because I'm not as attached to them as I am. I guess I'm honest about every team. The only team I feel like I've been homered against always is whatever team Tom played for. But I feel <laughs> like I was always realistic with the other teams in the NFL that I like. And the Steelers are one of them. Their offense has not been great. Matt Canada, they chant, they chant fire Canada at Penguins games. You know, like, I don't know. But I really love the AFC North. It's, it's the great. most fun division. 100%. And those, those Cleveland Browns. I tried to warn. They got a great defense too. They still might not even make it. I didn't pick them to make it. I'm not. I don't think cry. they will. I'm not going to cry if they don't. Their defense is outstanding. No, the fact that the Bengals are technically in last place, though, <laughs> like the Bengals and the Bears, both in last place. Bengals are going to pass the Browns. I think they go to the Super Bowl. It's very possible. Hundred yeah. percent. It's very possible. They're my pick right now. I'm not picking them to go to the Super Bowl, but they they look very good. Yeah, but you don't know how you feel about that in January. Right now, I'm sticking with what I said. I can't back away. Bills, Eagles. Bills, Eagles. Okay. I mean, Eagles are like locked to make the playoffs, but (laughs) yeah, right now I'm completely flipping on my preseason. Um, I would go Bengals, which I had Bengals 49ers, so I'm half flipping. Um, which I'm flipping back because I wouldn't have said Bengals three weeks ago. Um. Bengals Lions. It's possible. The Lions. It's not even like it's more of an indictment on the NFC. Montgomery's like I, coming back. He was injured. Yeah. Healthy. So. Yep. Did you spend a little money to get him in Guillotine League? I just a little bit. Yeah. I spent a lot on uh, AJ Brown. Nice. I did three seventy eight. Well, you can look and see if you got him now. My phone is uh, not. I'm nervous. interested to hear. Yeah, I got chopped for the first time in two years. That's that's rough, VP. It was tough. I mean, Gabe Davis on the Bills, zero points. That was rough. Osborne got hurt. Yep. You had Osborne. Now I have my phone. Uh, yeah, I'm interested to hear. I mean, I got chopped. You know, I probably should have been chopped five separate times last year, and I ended up winning. So I wasn't, like, mad about it like I normally would be. would be. But, you know, it is what it is. Um, while Frankie looks up to see who he got added to his team, I'm very interested. I, I honestly think if you put that oh. much on AJ Brown, I'd be stunned. If I, I got him. Montgomery and Brown. There you go. You're set. And you I can... still have uh, 200 fake dollars left. There you go. Which is not bad. I know no. Brown's on. They're on a buy this week. But my theory was I don't need him this week. I don't think. No, there are a lot of good teams on buys this week. This is probably. I would say there's probably a lot of teams having a hard week this week because of who's on a buy. I think the Eagles are on a bye. The Chiefs are on a bye. There are a lot of fantasy-heavy teams on buys this week. All the I AFC spent, North. I think I spent way too much on Brown. Why? What was the second highest bid? 225 I spent over 150 more than what it was. Yeah, well, I mean, sometimes that happens. There but was... I wanted to guarantee him. Yeah. Because I think, like, I could win this all if I have him on my team. He's the second highest-ranked wide receiver. Yeah. You know, I added him around this time last year. I drafted him this year, but I added him around this time last year and ended up winning the whole thing. That's what I'm saying. It's like, so, I mean, are you comfortable with your quarterback? Yeah, I got Josh Allen. He's the highest. He's number one in fantasy rankings. Yeah, that, that makes sense. He gets sense. like 30 a week because yeah. he doesn't run it a lot or hand it off a lot. Like if you got Singletary or the running back, he's getting nothing. He yeah. just throws it a lot. So he's the number one. I'm very comfortable right now. And then he goes on a bye week 13. 
and I have um, Trevor Lawrence as my backup, which will be a great one week backup to use, I think. Yeah. So we'll see. Absolutely. We will see. All right, Frank, the college football playoff. Talk to me. All right. Well, I got a. I'll go over the rankings if people don't know or haven't heard about it. Ohio State's one, Georgia's two, Michigan three, Florida State four. No change from last week. Then you got uh, Washington five, Oregon six, Texas seven, Alabama eight, Ole Miss nine, Penn State at 10. I'll end it there. Um, No change in the top four. And I think it's hilarious that the uh, committee refuses to put Washington in the top four. And I find it hilarious because I do really think Washington are frauds. And maybe the committee believes so at well. Like, why wouldn't they go in the top uh, four this week? They had a win on the road against USC. I mean, come on now. It's another ranked opponent. Like, I think theoretically they might be better at Florida State, but why aren't they ahead of Florida State then? If they're so good as everybody thinks they have, they got a great defense. Um, what's uh, what's the quarterback? What's his name? Give me his name. Uh, Michael Penix Jr. He's, he's great. If he's great, then why, why aren't we talking about him in the top four? I just think they're frauds. Ohio State versus Michigan is huge in a few weeks. Florida State has a relatively easy schedule to finish out the year. No ranked matchups on their list the remaining of the year. Georgia has a couple of big games against number 9 Ole Miss and number 13 ranked, I believe, Tennessee, coming up in the next couple of weeks. So that should be a lot of fun. This is some of my favorite time of the year, VP, in terms of college football. Absolutely. And correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have the standings in front of me, but I think Georgia's probably got a date with Alabama in the SEC championship on the slate too, right? Yeah. So that'll be really, really cool if they both make it to the SEC title game, right? Like Alabama get in if they beat Georgia. Yes. (laughs) I think a one loss Bama team that's an SEC champion win gets in. Yes. And I'm here for it. I'm absolutely, a lot of people get mad. But, like, who wouldn't want to watch Alabama in January and the Sugar Bowl or whatever they're calling it this year? I mean, yeah, I'm here for it. I think Alabama's – Oh, yeah, that'd be great. Nick Saban goes on McAfee every Wednesday or every Thursday and kind of gives a little spiel, and he gets me going every time. I love watching it. So, yeah, I think the college football playoff is not even close because, obviously, Michigan and Ohio State will play each other. Um, Who knows if Michigan gets freaking banned? From making it's the college possible. football playoff, it is possible. Um, I also think Michigan is better than Ohio State. I don't understand Ohio State being one in any way, shape, or form. I don't either. It makes no sense. In my, they struggled against Rutgers. They lost I, to Notre Dame, which at the time that was a big win. But Notre Dame has since kind of stunk. It's not the quality me. win that it was when it first happened. I thought it was you guys were on, you were on glue when you told me they were one last week on Halloween. I go, come on, you're kidding. I, I thought you were joking. I didn't think they're one. I, I know you told me one. they're one. I know, and I thought you were kidding around because I couldn't believe it. They don't deserve to be one. Yeah, no, they don't. But Cody McCord or Kyle McCord, whatever his name is, he's a, I, he's just not good. Absolutely. I mean. It is what it is. They're one. People like them. I, I Michigan's going to kill them. What would be hilarious if it's Michigan kills them and then gets booted from the college football playoff and the Big Ten misses out all around? That's That would oh, be like God. true theater. Dylan but would be so mad. They'll push, they'll push Michigan. They'll let Michigan play because it'll be a money-making machine. Michigan is one of the blue bloods in college football. And then they'll if they do ever get punishment, it'll be next year mm-hmm. or the year after. They'll punish kids who are seniors in high school right now. Mm-hmm. that aren't even fully committed to Michigan yet. Like it's annoying, 
But, I mean, it is what it is. And then John Harbaugh is going to leave. Or I always get him confused. Is John or Jim at Michigan? John is at Michigan. Jim is the coach of the Raiders. Yeah. Yep, John's at. Uh... Um, so we'll see. I'm very excited. I can't wait for the title game in the SEC, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think the title game in the Pac-12 is going to be magnificent this year. It'll be the last Pac-12 title game ever, at least with the way we know it now. Right. Um, the Big Ten title game will probably – it'll be the winner of Michigan and Ohio State against whoever is the best team in the Big Ten West, which is usually a team that has like four losses. So they'll smoke them in that game. You know, like it'll be Wisconsin or Iowa or Northwestern, like one of those teams. Um, I don't know exactly who it would be right now. I haven't looked, but hell yeah, I love the college football playoff. I love the ranking show every Tuesday, and here we are. All right, Frank, let's wrap up the third period for this edition. We haven't done it in a while of yep. Frank's Video Game Corner. If you don't talk about GTA 6, you're getting punched in the face. Let's go. Maybe I won't. I'm going to start out with Alan Wake 2, which has been the hot commodity lately. Our buddy Dylan's been playing it a lot. Everyone has been playing it. Sequel to Alan Wake, which came out in 2010. It's a very it's very rare to have video games have sequels this far down the line, but it obviously does happen. And honestly, this could prove to be one of the best games to come out this year. I mean, it obviously won't win like Game of the Year or anything, but it's been a lot of fun and people are enjoying it. So if you're looking for a new game, maybe you want to play that. My second news has to do with Call of Duty, VP. We're in Call of Duty season right now. Game comes out November 10th, this Friday. If you pre-ordered the game, you were able to play it the campaign uh, about a week early or eight days early. Um, so hopefully that'll be lo- loads of fun. There's bad news, though, for the campaign, which is something that I hyped up a little bit. A lot of people were hyping up. I mean, there were video packages hyping up the campaign. People are finding out when they play it. It's only about three hours in length, three to four hours long. So you could beat that wow. in one session. You're playing it at night. You beat that. It's like the as long as Endgame. Like you're just going to play through the campaign. I, come on. You hype it up this much and you put out a three to four hour campaign. I mean, Call of Duty games aren't 40 hour video games like some other games. But average, if you take a look at the past, it's like anywhere from like eight to 10 hours. You put out a three to four hour game and you're hyping it up like this. I mean, it's sickening. Not a lot. It's taking a ton of backlash. I mean, hopefully the saving grace will be the multiplayer, which because there's a lot of old time MW2 gameplay that will be featured and hopefully that'll boost the game a bit. But come on, you can't hype up the campaign that much and put out a three hour campaign. What's the point of playing it early a week early when you can beat it in one night? It's it's actually a, one of the poorest moves I've seen out of a, a Call of Duty video game. That, that just can't happen. Um. Fortnite, I want to talk a little bit about Fortnite, which I haven't talked about in a while. You probably haven't heard a lot about Fortnite um, in the past few years, but they went back to OG Fortnite. That I didn't know. You did know that. Yeah. For the theme of their newest season, the game mechanics and everything went back to OG Fortnite for the first time um, since it was OG Fortnite. And it had its best day in history with over 44.7 million players when it launched and over 102 million hours played earlier in the week. I mean, if you want to play OG Fortnite again, you may want to download the game and start playing now because this isn't going to be permanent. And, like, when Fortnite first came out, it was like that juicy apple you love to eat every night or for a snack. You, you, you take it out of the fridge and you take a nice juicy bite out of it. That's what we're back to in Fortnite. From what I've seen, I watched a little gameplay on it. It's, it's nice. It's refreshing. And I can see why so many people uh, have been enjoying it. And finally, 
perhaps the biggest news, and I wrote this yesterday, is that Bloomberg reported that GTA 6 will be announced as early as this week with the first trailer to release next month to celebrate Rockstar's 25th anniversary. Um, they're saying that this trailer will most likely happen at the Game Awards on December 7th. That's fun. One of the biggest times of years for video game fans. Uh, and I, I wrote down, however, there's been no confirmation made. Well, today, Rockstar Games dropped the bombshell that indeed they are, they didn't call it GTA 6, but they are announcing and we'll have our first look at the next Grand Theft Auto installment next month. Still no word on when that will be, but it'll obviously, if what we've been hearing is true, which it's on the path to be true, probably be on Rockstar's 25th anniversary or sometime around the Game Awards. So this is going to be one of the most anticipated games of all time. People are already freaking out over it. I honestly think when it's announced or like when it comes out, I think like Twitter is going to go down for a bit. I, I can't wait to learn more about what's to come. I mean, everybody thought like Elden Ring was big. I mean, this game, VP, oh my God. Like people are going to go nuts. The amount of trends it had on Twitter it was trending. Like it was unbelievable. I'm excited. I like GTA. It's one of the first video games I've ever played growing up, like the GTA franchise, like San Andreas and Grand Theft Auto 3. Like that was like some of the first games I was ever introduced to. And that's why I've become such a big uh, video game fan. When we had all the cheats written down in notebooks, you remember me and Joey, we had all the cheat codes written down for GTA and notebooks. Like GTA is some of the best times I've had playing video games in my childhood. And like, it's clear that Rockstar Games doesn't plan on stopping, and they know how much hype this game has. It's going to be a ton of fun. I can't wait to see what's next. Absolutely, I that that's one that I'm like really, really excited about. I will be participating in the GTA hype. <laughs> By the time it comes out, I will be, uh, I will be uh, participating in buying a new console and having all that set up. I really yeah, because it's not going to come out like soon. No, and I really want to play Spider Man, and I really want to play this new GTA. So. I think it's about time that I hop on the wagon and get one of these brand new consoles. I haven't decided which one, but it's coming soon. Skoke says we've been cruising Los Santos for 10 years. You're damn right we are. Ain't that the truth. for change. I had, I got that. I think I had GTA 5 on Xbox 360. Uh, Not Xbox One. I do too. Yeah, I don't think I ever got it on one. That's how long it's been. We've we've gone through a console generation. Yeah, like (laughs) through one entirely. Yeah, now the Xbox One's like almost obsolete. Like, yeah. And there was no GTAs. That's crazy. I'm looking heavily forward to this, and I cannot wait to see the reveal trailer. Me too. I think that's one where we're going to need to get all the boys back together to play like oh my God. land style or somehow. Yeah, oh it's going to be great. I'm very much looking forward to it. Um, You know, good, good for Rockstar. They've obviously gotten to a place where they can like kind of take over the world in terms of making good games and stuff. So so many good games. Red Dead Redemption, one and two, Rockstar Games. I mean, the the content that they bring to the video game community is unreal. And like, what a company. What a company. And what a time to announce it near their 25th anniversary of being in a company. Absolutely. And you do got the holidays coming around the corner. That's obvious. Mm -hmm. Like a big deal. So we'll see what happens in that area. But Frank... That was a very good video game corner. I'm excited to hear more. I'll, I'll make sure to include that in the third period more often again because I want to hear about Appreciate it. And learn. Make sure you read all of Frank's stuff at apptrigger.com. This is also a means to promote um, what's going on with you in that. Um, really quick, before we get to breaking bets, tell people, you know, explain a little bit about what's going on with uh, App Trigger and what you got cooking over there. 
Well, I mean, it's majority of the content lately has been Spider-Man, but Spider-Man, it's not an overly long game. Um, I use Dylan a lot as reference to like equate my comments because he gets all those games and beats them. Like he platinum the game already and he got it the day it came out. So you're not going to, it's not an overly long experience, but it's a lot of fun. I definitely recommend getting it if you have a PlayStation 5 because that's the only way you're going to play it is if you have a PlayStation 5. So um, it, it's been a majority of that. And then lately, Alan Wake 2, which it's a survivor horror, <laughs> survival horror game. Um, if you're into that type of stuff and you loved the first one 13 years ago when it came out on the Xbox 360, you're going to love this one because it's even better. So right now, a majority of my time has been with that. I did do an NHL article um, about their newest set that was taking place in Hockey Ultimate Team. But for right now, it's been that. And then Friday, when Call of Duty comes out, it's going to switch to that. And then next month with the Game Awards and GTA, it's probably going to be mostly heavy focus towards those things. There you go. Very much looking forward to all of it. Um, Frank, this has been your time to talk on the show between talking about Frank's video game yeah, corner, promoting that figure. Yeah, how do you think I feel when I go on my rants? But Woo. you're not done yet. You're going to help make America some money in America's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. <laughs> I uh I got some breaking news about a an 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 NFL player that passed away. Um, Excuse me. Yeah, he was only forty two. He wasn't in the NFL. You might recognize the name. Um, he won the Super Bowl with the Colts in two thousand seven. Matt Ulrich passed away. Damn. Yep. I don't know what from, but um, yeah, he was retired former Colt offensive guard. Passed away at the age of 42. Wow. I know a lot of viewers who follow the Bears and had that Bears-Colts rivalry um, back in the day. Maybe uh, wanted to be enlightened by this news. It's not good news, but um, I think it's something we uh, we should have brought up. So Matt Aldridge passes away at the age of 42. I don't recognize him that much because, I mean, back then I wasn't – I mean, I was younger. I wasn't big into football as much as I am now, but – Sad news. Sad news. R.I.P. I remember that Super Bowl well. Um, uh, you said it was he won the Super Bowl with the Colts. Do you know where he's from? No. Streamwood. Wow, that's crazy. Wow, that's unbelievable. You said he won the Super Bowl with the Colts. Uh, yeah, two thousand seven. That means he beat the Bears. Yeah. So you probably did watch that Super Bowl, but I don't. I my yeah yeah no yeah. Sure. Like he doesn't even look familiar to me, but yeah, passed away forty two. It's always like sickening when you hear these young guys pass away so young. You know, yeah, absolutely, it is sickening. It's scary. It's very but, scary. Well, condolences to him and his family and all everyone he loved and loved him. Um, it's obviously tragic news. Um. So yeah, to maybe lighten the mood a little bit, help you guys win some money. We are on the tear of our lifetime, and I'm not just saying that. Like, you got to be following my picks right now. Last week, we went 4-1. and one. We're above 50% again. Fantastic. VP, 
if you've taken all my picks since October 11th when I started doing the unit thing, and you've in each unit like one unit's ten bucks, you'd be up one hundred and twenty nine dollars. If you've been doing that with a hundred dollars per unit, you're up twelve hundred and ninety one dollars so far. We're on a roll. We're not in the negative. Keep following my picks. I give them away for free. All you have to do is tune into the show. I mean, it's been great. We went four and one last week. And like I said, if you're following the unit system, the ones you're losing aren't a big deal because you're mopping up with the bigger ones. This has been fantastic. And I got three more picks for you. Like I said last week, last week was my last MLB pick of the year. So this week we got two NFL. Wait, one. Uh, three NFL picks and one hockey pick. First off, I'll start off with the NFL. I say this every week. I love to include the Thursday night football game. You watch the show. You listen to this Thursday night football tomorrow. It's fresh in your head. So I always like to do that. This game's going to be a tough one. And it's a tough one to bet on, honestly, since the bears are at home. I'm going to go with the bears to win. I I don't trust them to take a minus three and a half. And I don't like taking big spread. I don't like taking big money lines lately because it's just sketch, but I, I can't trust the Panthers plus three and a half on the road, and I can't trust the Bears. So I think I like the Bears just to win in this one, just to win one unit, bet to win one unit, nothing crazy. Um, like I said, I don't normally like to bet the heavy money lines, but I have no idea what's going to happen in this game, and I wanted to give a pick on Thursday Night Football. Panthers are, as ba- are a bad, bad team, just like the Bears. I don't trust them on the road. I don't trust the Bears. So this is just one of those games that if you want to not bet it, I understand you stay away from, or you bet the money line light on the Bears just to win a unit. Um, I also do like Santos over one and a half field goals for the Bears. Uh, he has to make two field goals plus one ten. Also put a unit on that. Um, I can see the Bears ripping some field goals just because uh, Matt Eberflus has no balls, and if it's fourth and inches, Buddy's sending out the field goal team. So I think two field goals is uh, very realistic. Plus 110, one unit on that, one unit on the Bears' money line to win. The other game I like, which I was stunned to see this, um, it was the Jag- 49ers at the Jaguars. Jaguars are getting three and a half at home. I would take the Jaguars plus three and a half and bet to win two units here. This is going to be a fantastic game on Sunday. It's hard to believe the 49ers have lost three in a row and maybe on the verge of losing four in a row, but the Jaguars are a top five team in the NFL, in my opinion. And I can't say the same about the 49ers. They were seventh on my ranking. So I love that we could get the Jaguars at home at plus three and a half. They're playing great football right now. They're on their home soil. 49ers are regressing big time. And if they win this game, if the 49ers win this game, congrats to them. You, you ended your streak against a good team, right? Bleeding's got to stop eventually. But how can you pass up on the Jaguars plus three and a half? It seems like a must bet. You're getting them like they could lose by a field goal and you're good. So I think they'll win outright. But for safety, Jaguars plus three and a half. I love that value. Love the spread. Love the bet. Bet to, bet to win two units on that at minus 130. And finally, brings me to my last pick. Got to include a hockey pick. Wednesday night hockey. I do it all the time. It's between the Vegas Golden Knights. They host the Los Angeles Kings. I like the Vegas Golden Knights money line to win two units at minus 142. If the Knights weren't playing at such an elite level right now, I'd probably have decided to not bet on this game and just watch it for pure fun. However, the Knights are coming off a shocking upset loss to the Anaheim Ducks. They're going to be hungry to get back into the win column. Kings are playing some phenomenal hockey right now as well. But I think the line is just perfect to take the Knights at home where they're still undefeated in regulation. At the level the Knights are playing at, they should be able to win this game no problem. 
I think they're undefeated at home in regulation. I could be wrong. I think they are. Because I think they lost to the Ducks on the road, right? Yeah. And the Hawks beat them in um, yeah. Over, there was an overtime. overtime in Vegas. So, yeah, they're undefeated in regulation at home. Seems like a must bet. Minus 142 bet to win two units. Let's ride. Let's roll. We're hot, baby. Let's roll. I'm all here for it, Frank. I mean, good picks. Um, really, really good. I love seeing that you're back above 500 about damn time. I will say that. Um, yeah, good stuff. Really, really we, good stuff. We dip below 50% before the end of the year. No. I like of course not. Good vibes only. I like the confidence. What the hell are you asking me that for? Just to see what you'd say. Exactly. So, yeah, absolutely good stuff. Um, got a couple hockey games tonight. It's a light night on the NHL schedule, but, you know, no lack of entertainment for sure. Obviously, the Maple Leafs are playing the Senators. That That's a fun one. And then, you know, two two Canadian teams playing each other is always fun for me, in my opinion. Then the Capitals are hosting the Panthers on TNT in the first half of a back-to-back on TNT. And then the Kings Golden Knights will wrap up the night. So obviously a big night in hockey, Thursday night football tomorrow, Chicago Bears versus Carolina Panthers. This network right here, the Barroom Network, obviously hugely dedicated to the Chicago Bears. And there will be plenty of great programming between Aldo Gandia and Mike North and Greg Gabriel, fantasy football goon on Sunday morning before the other games start. Obviously, there's plenty of football content here on the Barroom Network. We're covering the NBA and the NHL as well. Um, Crosstown Crosstalk is going to come back on November the 30th as we get ready to take on the winter meetings at that point in time. All the news between now and then, you know, we'll kind of save it in the back burner and bring it to light on that great comeback show on November 30th. Um, you know, obviously the Cubs got rid of David Ross in favor of Craig Council. Just an absolutely Crazy. genius move. A beautiful. Absolutely genius move. I'm happy to hear that you have a brain and like it. Um, because there are people that just like David Ross. Well, they're just, they're just idiots, son. I mean, yeah, because Craig Council's a top five manager in baseball, yes. maybe top one. David Ross, great guy. He's not a he's not a manager. Yeah, and you know Thank what? You what you've done, and we'll move on. Yeah, even if he is he is your placeholder manager, I don't think he was putrid. He was better than Pedro Grafal <laughs> by a lot. Yeah, but um, you know, Craig Council, he got a Brewers team that doesn't spend a lot of money five division titles in six years and one trip to the NLCS. And basically since the Cubs fell off from winning the world series, the part of that is because of how good the Brewers became. And it's all because of Craig council. Now he's on your side. Now you're the favorite to land Shohei Otani. Now you think? Uh, I think they're the betting favorite. What? I think. Wow. If they're not the betting favorite, they're top three. For sure. You think? Yeah. I, I, I would have that. Yeah, no, I think the Cubs have a real chance. And the Yamamoto kid, the 25-year-old pitcher from Japan, I'm going to write about him coming to the MLB and possibly the Cubs. That'll probably come out on DeWindy City tomorrow. Um, uh, Dylan Cease is going to get traded, I think. Like, There's all sorts of great stuff in the MLB, so make sure you're back with us on the 30th as we come back from a little bit of a little bit of a reset the batteries from the baseball season is kind of how I'm looking at it. Um, Skoke says the Dodgers... He, he thinks they're the favorite. Uh, uh, that's my prediction for who he signs with. But, you know, I read Nightingale's thing yesterday. That they got to be top of, three, like you said then. Yeah, a lot of rival executives believe that the Cubs are going to take a um, heavy pursuit. Of, I heard they're going to be very aggressive this offseason. Yeah, exactly. Um, right now, the Cubs are tied for third with wow. the Mets. The Dodgers wow. are plus 100. 
the Dodgers are plus 100, Giants plus 550. Um, yeah, I I think it's either the Cubs or the Dodgers, personally. They have Suzuki. Yeah, I don't really see him going to San Francisco. Well, San Francisco I is always... I understand why he would, but I just yeah. don't see it. They're always in the mix. Mm-hmm. They spend money. That's a really good organization over there. They're like they'll win the World Series once every ten years for the rest of our life. I think. Like I mean, that's fair. They're they're really good. Maybe not once every ten years, but they're always in the mix for buying players and being a good team. That is a top five MLB franchise in terms of how well they're run in my mm-hmm. opinion. So that's our show. I hope everybody enjoyed. Make sure you tune into all the net, uh, network's other great shows that we got going on here. Make sure you read all Frankie shit at apptrigger.com. All my shit at all the websites. I just retweeted three of my articles that were written today and all of them are about teams that wear teal. Uh, the Jaguars <laughs> and the Sharks, obviously. Like uh, our color of our show today. And I found that to be hilarious. It was the theme of our show today, the color teal. Today's a very teal day. I like the color teal. I love the color teal. Yeah, it's a very nice color. So, and then, you know, all my sock stuff, big, the GM meetings are going on right now. I'm on call at any point, any big thing can happen. Um, It's just been an absolute dynamite of a time. So I love it. I love it very much. And it's going to be a great, great um, off season for baseball. I think in terms of entertainment, not so good for the White Sox, but Mm -hmm. you know, it is what it is Um, in terms of baseball as a whole though. Love it. Hockey. Love it. Hope everybody enjoys the weekend and stay safe out there. I know it's going to start getting cold, so you know. Start absolutely cold. <laughs> and special shout out to my Katie. I love you very much. It's two years on wow. Friday. Holy two Christ. years on Friday. Congratulations to you guys. Thank two you. Years. Wow, it, it's been long and loving. Holy and I'm very very happy. So you know we're going to get out and celebrate that a little bit this weekend so i'm not going to be around in the sports scene as much starting friday afternoon but you know we'll be right back at it starting on sunday and you know a lot of stuff going on in the like i said the gm meetings we got boots on the ground over in the gm meetings ready to help us get stuff off the ground in terms of what we're writing about at southside showdown into windy city so very much looking forward to all of that hopefully it's good for everyone and frank I hope you had a good show. I certainly did. I loved every second of it. To Skokes and everybody else in the chat, we love you very much. And as always, thank you for listening.